You better be listening to Slezoids or I must break you. This is gasoline. But they didn't count on one thing. Does he have any other relatives? Anyone else that could possibly help? Jean-Claude Van Damme. He always makes an impact. He's trained to fight for his life. Now, he's fighting for revenge. There's two of them. Think about it. Van Damme. Times two. He looks exactly like you. Me? Twin brothers reunited on a mission. Watch my back. To avenge their parents' death. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Oh, you know what it is. It's still January. We got more split kicking, more nut punching, more spontaneous dancing. It's going to be great. Join the sleaze, baby. Come on. Absolutely. We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we are in our fifth year of bonus episodes. There's like 120 plus bonus episodes, as well as our bonus transmission series, which, uh, you know, where we talk about new release genre films. And uh, we're just about to enter a new year. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, we've got lots of January horror that we are going to be talking (laughs) about soon over there. So if you haven't signed up yet, patreon.com slash podcast. And speaking of which, uh, we took a little bit of a vacation there. It it doesn't really seem like we do because we record a lot of stuff in advance and then just kind of leave for a bit. So we have a lot of names to go through. So I apologize for ripping through these as quickly as I'm about to. But we have a top bass signed up for five dollars a month. We had Maxwell Dean uh, sign up. We had Ryan uh, Brandon Tasker signed up uh, for ten dollars a month for the entire year. getting the the annual rate as well as doc one house who signed up for an entire year and uh yeah so if you if you want a little bit of a a discount on the monthly rate uh you can sign up for an entire year and if you do our pledging at the ten dollars a month you get to join us for the uh monthly virtual screening which we tend to do on the last thursday of a given month where jamie and i watch a film and provide some live commentary for everybody and because it's january we're going to be doing something Jean-Claude related. So yes. if you're if you're if you're interested, we're going to be doing something. Uh, we also had Shane Karshan uh, sign up. We had Dillard's department sign up at five dollars. We had Noah Vassar, uh, Jacob McLean, who also got an entire year of the show right on January 1st. He, he knew what he wanted. Uh, <laughs> we had <laughs> Paul Merrick. Uh, we had Dan uh, Monroe. We had Hannah Yager. Uh, we had uh, Flower. We had Matthew McGuire also sign up for an entire year. A lot of people, you know, they're getting in on the, the annual tier. Uh, we had Adam sign up. We had Marinus uh, DeJagger. Um, we had David Zimmerman. We had Jared Sparks, Jared Briones, uh, Daniel Williams, Jared L. The, the three Jareds. The Jareds. They're all, they're all here. Daniel Rodriguez. We had Bobby. We had Dustin Qualls. We had another Jared Wayman. Uh, we had Jennifer. We had Elliot Chidwick. We had Niels, uh, Levi, 
and oh, and that's the last one. So thanks so much to Thank all you of you folks for you know New Year, you know new new patrons. Welcome, we're happy to have you and appreciate the support. Um, the uh, that's the one plug uh, for the week. The other plug uh, for the week is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are listening on either one of those platforms, and I I see the stats, I look at them every week, and I see you right now listening on both those platforms. So if you are. Give us a good old rating and review over there. It helps mm-hmm. us uh, climb the ranks and find new listeners that way. And we have been getting some reviews that sometimes say, hey, they discovered the show that through the through the charts sometimes. So, you know, of, of an episode. So uh, if you can't uh, sign up for the Patreon, we appreciate that as well. Um, and uh, what's the other plug? Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's been a while since we've done this. Um, <laughs> the very last plug is merch. Uh, if you like the poster art that based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for the show, you can get that basically put on anything that you can think of. If you want a notebook, if you want a hoodie, if you want a poster, a pillow, and, you know, you guys have bought a lot of stuff with the Sleazoids logo on it. And if you're interested in that, that is at a, a link in the description as well as over at sleazoidspodcast.com. But that is it for the intro. Welcome back to another week. As always, I am your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me also, as always, my co-host. Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Uh, now, this is, uh, this, is, well, this, is, this is a big time for us. We are in hmm. the thick of January, um, which I'm, I'm sure many, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people over on the Patreon have already listened to last week's episode, but two weeks ago, before we jumped into that, we did what we do every time we start off a new year. We talked about <laughs> the best genre movies of the year. We talked did about we ever. our, f- yes, and and Jamie and I both went into that episode. I swear to God, I wish we even had the recordings. Jamie probably has them on yeah, his the meetings before. Somewhere. Like, we're gonna the, do this the, right, where it's not gonna be four hours long. It's not gonna, like, Jesus Christ. It, it's not gonna happen. Look, last year was three hours and 40, and we gotta be under that this year. Like, we, we, we got serious, you know, we, we straightened <laughs> the collars and everything. We were like, it's gonna be under three and a half hours this year. And then it's we the did the longest. longest one we've ever done. Yeah, we did like four hours, four hours, 10 minutes. So uh, if you uh, want to hear us talk about our favorite genre movies of uh, 2022 for four hours, including half never the episode. Up being honorable mentions where we just essentially list out all the movies that weren't quite good enough to make the top 10. But, you know, we, sometimes there's really interesting stuff in there that that people didn't check out and need to check out, especially a lot of yeah. foreign uh, genre cinema and stuff like that. So we hope some people took out their notes and got some recommendations for things that they might have missed that year. And if you haven't heard that episode, head on back. That was over on the main feed two weeks ago. Uh, But last week, as I already mentioned, we kicked off January because this is it's the fifth year of the podcast. We were thinking we got to do something a little bit special. And we realized we hadn't done kind of like a month long series in a little while. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the last time we had a really good response to doing one uh, was when we did Dolph Month and we did an entire month going through the career of one Mr. Dolph Lundgren and had a new sort of appreciation for the you know diversity of his his action style of his acting style and especially his choice in filmmaker that dude yeah if, it, it, we didn't know until we did that month but like that dude picked genuinely interesting tourist action filmmakers on every budget level that he worked with and made some of the most interesting movies of his career like no one knows that he did a tv movie with john woo uh, right. hardly anybody knows that, that he did that or or silent trigger with russell mulcahy that the australian filmmaker it's who just, did uh, highlander 
Yeah, that that movie's style is so crazy. And then when it starts to get into the weird character stuff, like the security guard that's just off his rocker, like it's it's a it's a good one. Definitely check that out. Silent Trigger again. Yeah. So so we knew that if we were going to do that again, we'd said we'd had a lot of people request it that we had to talk about Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. And we started that last week exclusively over on the Patreon. We did have a lot of people sign up for it. So I'm assuming people have heard it. But anyone in the main feed who hasn't heard it yet, we talked about the breakout last week. Uh, we talked Bloodsport and kickboxer uh which are sort of functionally the same movie because kickboxer (laughs) came out in the heat of blood sports insane box office numbers that it received yeah they're like we need another one let's just do it again yeah but you know we we had to talk about two movies where he plays a crazy ass white boy who must through the power (laughs) of his training his belief and his physical ability prove that he is a better fighter than the best and the best of uh whatever asian country he happens to be in (laughs) at that time yeah um and uh, yeah and and of of course you know we we it's the it's the muscles from brussels man he's always wet he's always screaming he's always using his feet and uh we had a a great time you know uh, seeing the original star power that broke through and what people saw in in his you know his his athleticism because unlike mm-hmm. you know how he separated himself from other american action stars of his era was by not just being a cool bodybuilder with a gun but being an incredible fighter and athlete who really used his body in, in expressive and wordless ways and also and was, was honorable know, i think is yeah. like the the biggest thing that I've taken away from him. Is he could that be sensitive and charming for the ladies if he yeah, wanted to be. Exactly. <laughs> and he, and he takes a beating, which was something that we talked about a little bit in blood sport and kickboxer, which I can always appreciate when, you know, he's not just kicking ass the entire time. A lot of the time in most of the movies I've seen, honestly, he just gets his ass kicked throughout probably most of it. And then always has that kind of redemption or whatever that comeback. Yeah, he's he's got an ego, but it's less of an ego than, you know, our <laughs> right. our, our Steven Seagal's, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For example, which we've talked about a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and so his willingness to like dance and do kind of like eccentric stuff is awesome, so. Oh yeah, man, his his ballet training, everything it, it, yeah. it, it comes in it comes into play a lot and it's great. Uh, so if you haven't heard that episode, I'd recommend going over patreoncom podcast. Go over and check it out. It we we did a, a big overview on the origins of Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is which is good setup for this week's episode in which mm-hmm. uh, we are continuing our journey through the catalog of Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I couldn't think of a more perfect guest or, or, or an actor who, who suits the term dadcore. Uh, so we have <laughs> the host of the Dadcore Cinema Club podcast joining us this week, and probably the person I follow on Letterboxd who has seen the most Jean-Claude Van Damme films, uh, Brandon. Brandon, how you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm here to talk about one of my favorite people in the world. Oh, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, he's, and he's slowly becoming one of ours over the course. I mean, like, we, we've yeah. already talked about, like, a lot of stuff of his that we like, like Albert Pune Cyborg and Hard Target and Double Team. And, you know, we, so we, we did a lot of heavy hitters. But as with Dolph Month, we feel like, you know, going through their careers and seeing the breakout and seeing the way that they mold it and f- seeing some of the more maybe underseen ones, uh, it, it really gives you a new appreciation for, you know, the trajectory of their mm-hmm. careers. And as a result, you know, we we talked about the breakout last week. We did Bloodsport Kickboxer. So, Brandon, we're moving on this week to the 90s. So what two films are we talking about uh, this week? 
Well, I, I think like you guys did a great job covering like what does separate him. You covered it perfectly in that intro. Like he's this smaller guy. He's dancerly. He's he's beautiful for the women. Uh, and that is perfect uh, as a summary. And I think like Bloodsport and Kickboxer are the perfect movies to look at of like what is his image. If you mm. want to talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme, the artist, the next step is this double feature, Lionheart and Double Impact, the movies where he decides that he wants to be an actor. The, this is the birthplace. He starts, this is the first crawling uh, bits before he learns to walk later in his career. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme growing into uh, an, an actor of renown. Uh, maybe not where he's a great actor. That comes maybe by 2008 with the JCVD. But in these films are like, we see the birth of Jean-Claude Van Damme trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. This totally. is this is where we start to see, you know, Jean-Claude, the the auteurist force, like, you know, where he starts to take control of the breakthrough. He's a co-writer on both these films, and both of these films are also directed by his pal, uh, Sheldon Ledich, uh, who he, he met and became friends with uh, because Ledich wrote the screenplay for Bloodsport. So th- this is sort of a double feature of we get the vision of like what he would want to do if he had the chance to write his own movies, like to mold the JCVD <laughs> yeah. movie to his liking and his persona. And and Brandon's right, like his choices in both of these, like again, they're they're, they're flawed movies, I think, but they're both good. And part of the reason is that you get to see two different sides of what he wants to be, which is one. He, a huge dramatic actor. He gives himself yeah. some mono, some melodramatic monologuing in Lionheart and in Double Impact. We get to see him be like, I don't want to be known as just the guy who can only fight in tournament settings. He's like, why am I? I'm a bigger action star than that. I can do what the Hong Kong guys are doing. I can do martial arts. I can do gunfights. I can do melodrama. I can do criminal conspiracy explosions. You know, I can do I can do all of it. And also I can play two characters at the same time. I can because yeah. that's how good. Yeah. And the fact that like the inspiration possibly came from Jeremy Irons in Dead Ringers. Like this is what he looks at and he's like, I want this. Like that's a prestigious actor. Right but that, that's that, that's awesome. such an actor brain thing yes. to do though, to be like, oh, yeah. that's an impressive thing that that guy just did. And that is like what the ultimate pinnacle of acting mm-hmm. is. And I want to show that I can do it too. You yeah. Know? So it's it. It's right. very, very cool. And, and it would start a career-long obsession of Van Damme's mm-hmm. about playing brothers or playing two characters in the same film. Um, it's definitely one of the things So, so d- that he became obsessed with, and Double Impact is kind of seeing the start of that. So I'm excited to get into this. Like, Jean-Claude, the writer Jean-Claude, the actor Jean-Claude, that I'm a diverse screen peasants beyond I can kick people really good. Uh, despite the fact that both of these films also feature him kicking people really well. <laughs> yes. so It has to. Of course. But that being said, I think we are going to jump right into it here. Let's start things off with Lionheart. The stakes are high. What I did tonight, I did for my family. You win. You live. Now what's it gonna be? You lose. You die. It's going to be simple. Van Damme is... Lionheart! 
All right, we are talking Lionheart. Uh, and Jamie, you're going to love this. We got oh, so yeah. many AKAs today. And, and it's funny, it, it, it usually happens with Italian movies. So it's so bizarre mm. sometimes to see it happen with something, but, you know, of, of, of this caliber. But we have many different alternate titles for this. We have AKA AWOL, Absent Without Leave, <laughs> AKA Wrong Bet, which apparently was the Australian title, our, our friend. Uh, uh, Andrew Law from the Bunta Vista Socialist Cup mentioned that to me. And also the last title, the title that was on the copy I watched, which I believe yeah. is s- s- sort of like the, the longer cut, like the director's cut. Um, uh, Leon or, or is it Lion? I can't. I really can't tell because so many people spell <laughs> it differently. So many people pronounce it differently in the movie. I think it's, it's the movie. French name. It's yeah, Leon. It's OK. Right. Leon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you watch the director's cut. I think that I did. I watched I the one I that has the, has the title credit Leon. And, did it keep and switching also, to like SD footage throughout? And it has some SD footage in yeah. it. Yeah. I've never actually seen that version. There, the, I mean, most of it on, we'll get into some of it, but like I, I'd argue that for most of it, it's just kind of slightly elongating certain mm-hmm. moments. Like some of the dramatic stuff, especially like there's, there's a, a, an extra scene or not an extra scene, but like that scene where he like crawls off the boat and into New York city and just kind of looks at the class disparity that he sees in New York. Um, that scene has just like more shots of him, like observing things and like walking Mm -hmm. through the dirty streets and like, you know, like it's, it it feels more like scene extensions than like entirely Mm -hmm. scenes cut out. I'm curious if I saw that version then. Cause I, I watched the one on prime video. So whatever version they had, um, it might be slightly different. Um, but yeah. yeah, I do see here too. That we, will, had, we, like, will, we will find out as we read through each other's notes and someone's like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that happen. <laughs> yeah, I do see that they have like, it says there's a closest version available um, in an Australian release. I guess that was the wrong mm-hmm. bet title um, that has God more damn. like violence and stuff. But I don't know. It seems like some of these versions might be lost a little bit. Yeah, uh, but this is a 1990 American martial arts drama film. Drama film, I'm going to highlight that. Co written <laughs> yes. and directed by Sheldon Ledich, and co written and starring, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jean Claude Van Damme. Um, and yeah, as we as we mentioned, like last week, we we already covered it. We talked about the origins. We talked about his era as a child prodigy in karate and kickboxing and ballet and his 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 early era doing, you know, extra work for Canon Films, befriending Chuck Norris, getting into stunt performing. I do love that one of the very first things he ever did was was being an extra in a Canon film, but not as a stunt performer, but as a break dancing performer yeah. in their musical film Breakin. That's just the sick like kind of origin story for him <laughs> yeah, that that's awesome. he got into canon films but not through the action first through the dancing and that just kind of kind of speaks to his uh his uniqueness and his charm yeah is it kickboxer um, where he does his first dance on screen like at least you know in uh that's the star it, it, it is the one where he yeah. goes drunk in master mode and does a full-on dance fight scene where he right. shakes his ass like a legend <laughs> and also kicks everyone's ass at the same time. That's, um, that's the star-making dance right there in that movie. Absolutely, it is. It is. 
that yeah. sets him like, apart. Like, I think we discussed that. It's, it sets him apart so much from every other action star when you see that. It's like, who else was going to do that? It, only he would do that. So it's just... No, like, the awesome. only other person I could conceive of doing something like that when we talked about it was, like, Jackie Chan. And Jackie right, Chan... Right, would be more as, humorous, as, we said. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be as, like, genuinely sexy and sweaty in <laughs> yeah. the way that he tries to make it, you know? Like, he's, exactly. he's not showing off how big, is, how big of a cake he's got while he, you know, J- Jackie would... <laughs> You know, he'd throw in some hijinks in there. Right. Where Jean Claude, you know, he's he's very pretty, he's very charming uh, and acrobatic, um, and yeah. So like th- that definitely is you know a really good place to to start with him because in the early scenes or in the early films where we were talking about him like it was just it was very clearly they saw this guy who could really fight and they were like well, what if we just you know we don't need to hire an actor let's just hire a guy who fights he like especially with a blood sport they were like we want to do an enter the dragon international fighting team martial art movie but you know he just we we need a guy who kind of looks the part but we can afford him <laughs> right yeah uh and we just have a guy write the screenplay who is as much of a real life egomaniac and compulsive liar as like <laughs> steven seagal is in in frank dukes hell yeah <laughs> And then you just, you know, you throw in some Top Gun era, like romantic 80s pop ballads. You, you know, you throw in some. They were more of the great bromances of the 80s as well. Yes. Of course. Of course. Them looking at each other at the end and saying they love each other, but he doesn't say it to the girl that he fell in love with. It's great. Like real quick, my favorite part of Bloodsport is when his friend gets his first win and he looks up in the crowd and points to JCVD like when you're excited to show your new toy to your friend at recess. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, look what I got, man. Look what I did. Yeah. And and the only real downfall of those films is the fact that they just they really aren't directed on the same caliber that, you know, Jean-Claude is able to achieve as a performer. Like if he had worked with, as we'll talk about later, like with a Hong Kong filmmaker, you know, someone who could really shoot martial arts sequences to, you know, the the effect that they're looking for rather than kind of shooting them like American sports movies where there's like yeah. lots of second unit crowd reaction shots of people just cheering and then you put you cut back and there's a shot reverse shot of one guy punching another guy in the mm-hmm. face and I'm like this guy can do some we've seen this man leap over people while doing the splits and flipping and hitting them in the nuts in like a swift motion. I'm like, you know, yeah. you need you need to get some more kinetic filmmaking uh in there with him. And while I won't say that Lionheart and Double Impact necessarily are a huge, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to say here. Like, like a, like a huge improvement. Um, they, little, they are, I'd say tr- maybe I, 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 it's, there's less fighting, but I'm, I'm trying to, th- I'm, I don't know. Cause I guess they have like a lot of the cool slow-mo stuff. And at least in the final fight of Bloodsport is, is kind of entertaining and pretty good. But, There's um, definitely an improvement, I'll say, in Lionheart specifically in in the dramatics. Yes, in oh, totally. Van Damme as a as someone who can read his lines and is actually given a character, and I think that that was like the main thing that happened here when he met um, Sheldon Ledich and struck up a personal friendship with with him because you know Van Damme, as we talked about, just you know he uh, left uh, his his home country and he moved to L.A. and Sheldon Ledich was an L.A. boy and a uh, Vietnam vet who when he got back from serving as a radio operator, choose to pursue photography and eventually screenwriting. And I think he started out actually just writing like war films. He did uh, a war film with Bruce Campbell called Thou Shall Not Kill. He did another one apparently that's the debut of Joaquin Phoenix called Ruskies. Um, 
And he eventually co-wrote Rambo three with Stallone. So that was kind of like his main field. But because, you know, uh, he wrote the script for Bloodsport, he had a huge career divergence where Van Damme like working with him so much and he backed him. And he was like, dude, if you co-write these movies with me because you're an actual screenwriter and I am not actually sure exactly how to get started in that department, I will back you and get you into the director's seat for the next things that I star in. And that's how both of these movies kind of um, came to be. And both of these got released by major studios. So this was like a huge shot for both of these guys to be like, I can prove myself as a director. I can prove myself as an actor. And that was the goal that, and they you know, made money, let it, I think too. So, yeah. And, and, and so, uh, but, but especially to let it, his, his main thing was give me dialogue, give me character development. Yeah. There's, there's a quote from an interview let it here where he was just like, you know, he's going to be more than the karate guy. You know, he's not right. just going to do kicks in one liners in low budget, tournament movies he's a star and we can prove it and so that's how they crafted this story which is loosely about van damme playing this guy named uh leon gaultier a deserter in the uh french foreign legion one of the first many awesome backstory excuses for his accent that we will yes. see over the coming month um including regularly just being french canadian because they were like <laughs> well he's kind of american looking but he's you know he's got the accent so you know you know <laughs> the word french um, is the name yes <laughs> And uh, essentially, he has to uh, fight his way back to New York and eventually L.A. uh, via these underground street fighting circuits to raise money for his brother's wife and niece after his brother is uh, severely injured and killed in a drug deal gone wrong, which I will say watching this for the first time, because I actually (laughs) hadn't seen this one yet. Yeah. I was shocked at the level of because this is the I'm pretty sure I don't know if I watched the uncut version or not because I clearly I watched some sort of longer one Mm -hmm. and some of the the SD footage that was included was a little bit of violence like there was more of him running around on fire oh yeah and I there there were longer shots of like his charred face and stuff like that and I was pretty like god damn that's that's pretty nasty stuff I'll I'll say it's it's really brutal in the theatrical as it is it's like he gets. He's it's a drug deal. He touches the cocaine. He's like, this is sugar. And the guy's like, this is gasoline, pours gasoline and lights him on fire. And his charred body lying on the ground is there in the theatrical. It's it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And they even show like they have him running around and hitting a wall with like the camera kind of doing like a bird's eye (laughs) view almost. And then when they cut to the the hospital, you really do see like his bubbling skin and like all the burns and all of that. So it, it, it is pretty violent. I also really like actually the um how moody it is right away. Mm-hmm. Like it's got this uh, kind of um, very low and ominous uh, score, but then it has a bunch of like ripping reverb saxophone, I believe. Uh, the score kind of, is crime. actually kind of unreal for this it's movie fantastic. in general, I thought. Totally, it's so, totally. That saxophone is incredible. Mm, yeah, it, it was really, it's very moody and it gets you right into that, you know, and you know, it's it, the, the camera's panning down and swooping under a bridge for a drug deal and stuff. It's just got that like street crime vibe. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's the dude who did the music for Wake and Fright, 
who's the one doing oh, this. So nice. it, it, like it, it, like it does have that kind of level of mood to it. And it right. does throw in for Van Damme, who, as we mentioned in, in both uh, Bloodsport and Kickboxer, they were tied into these, you know, these, these sort of pop soundtracks, these, these very huge, very broad sounds that were popular that they wanted people uh, mm-hmm. to kind of associate with the film. And, you know, uh, this the, Van Damme was like, no, 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 no. We're going to give me some big, like melodramatic or orchestra, you know, yeah. I want to, I want to really, you know, accentuate the feelings of my characters. And so th- there's some choices being made here by Ledich and Van Damme that definitely uh, improve the film and add a little bit more of like some of the mood and atmosphere we kind of felt were missing um, from mm. from the previous films, at least in a dramatic sense. Like they definitely had their own kind of, you know, uh, uh, yeah, like, mood that uh, of the of the 80s action movie in that kind of way. Yeah, like they did have that scene with Jean-Claude kind of walking and it almost seems dreamlike or nightmare-like where he's being um, introduced to the guy in Kickboxer and he's hitting the mm-hmm. cement uh, pole in the middle of the room yes. and it's got like the reverb yeah. and, and the sound effects and all of that kind of seems a little bit dreamlike. So yeah, there are elements, but I found this one to just be consistently like that a lot of the time. Um, well, I think it's immediately striking if you compare like the chase scenes in these two movies, uh, Bloodsport and this one, like Bloodsport has, both movies have government agents that are trying to get Jean-Claude back to the army. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in Bloodsport, the chase scene is like upbeat and silly yeah. and it's like, it's a hangout movie. So that, so that like scene is very light and fun. John Claude is smiling the whole time. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he's having the time of his life uh, because there's like no, he doesn't really have any stakes in Bloodsport. He's not fighting. He's not really fighting for revenge. He just wants to fight. It's like he's a guy on vacation having fun. And then in yeah. <laughs> this movie in Lionheart, when he gets chased by the by the agents, it's life or death. If he gets caught, his he can't provide for his family, and he mm-hmm. is intense. Yeah. Just like the difference in his facial expression, he is intense the entire time. It is that yeah. is a dramatic scene, whereas in Bloodsport, it's like a a fun set piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally. think that's I think that's an important distinction because, like, what's interesting is Van Damme is once again he they, the intent was to separate himself mm-hmm. from the idea that he could just be like a guy who looks good and says one liners in a movie about a martial arts tournament. And what's kind of funny about this movie is that they do copy so many of the beats that they were already familiar with. Like he is just repurposing him going, going AWOL like he does in Bloodsport and getting chased by people. He does end up in these, you know, not quite necessarily as much of a stage tournament, but like an underground fighting ring. He has a brother in trouble as he loves to have in his movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's so going w- from fight in- to fight, and you get, like, each... The, the, what's cool with this one, too, is, like, you, you kind of have the same stage for every fight, and what you were watching was the fighters themselves, whereas this one, it seems like he's fighting in a pool, he's fighting in a rich elite party, <laughs> he's fighting in the under a bridge, like, there's just so many A circle of locations. cars, which is my favorite setting. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. incredible. We're just fighting in the headlights of, like, a dozen cars one. that have been encircled. It's 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 it is the Street Fighter movie. Like this, this is the better <laughs> yeah. Street Fighter adaptation. He is going ac- he's going from location to location, different fighting stages with different caricatures of fighters. He's going against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, definitely. Well, well, and what's interesting is just again that he has he's found a way to do the things that he's already kind of familiar with doing in movies, but turning them as Brandon kind of put it like into actual 
drama like actual mm. like 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 the and the writing is not you know the most heart-wrenching or mm. specific you know writing you've ever seen in a, in a character drama or anything it is dealing a lot in in archetypes and a little bit of stereotypes as well but it is you know his attempt at something closer to how do i make my kind of street fighting movie that i want to make into something that's more resembles one of those like old school like boxing class melodramas almost it's he's like got to fight for his hard family times. yeah the Walter Hill, right? hard times yeah yeah, yeah, he's 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 got to fight for his family. He's got to fight for for money, and 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 not only that, he needs to also bear witness to the class disparity of you know how the all the uh, elite uh, sort of citizens who organize these this violence for sport versus the people who he sees like you know some of his family members and people who you know are are kind of on the lower rungs of the fighting tournament who just aren't making it it by and it's very simple yeah. and old fashioned stuff but it but it is dramatically coherent in a way that like you know we were talking about like the romance and blood sport we were like we don't know what what's going on they're just doing things they're just there's kind of like a like a, a beats that you would imagine make sense in another movie but like you know the chemistry's not quite there and you know this this is like you know he really wants to actually hammer home the the dramatics of this stuff and honestly he's pretty successful at it yeah they do like i one of the first uh moments that really spoke to me just that he's really trying here and he does a good job um i think it's when he i think it's when he finds out about his um his brother and uh he he passes away and they have this big close-up and he's actually got like tears running down his face and i believe he actually you know did it it looks like he's genuinely crying Mm -hmm. so that's just interesting to to look at and i also love that within the family drama stuff he doesn't um come off as the hero right away whatsoever so they he just has more time to like have those sad scenes where he's watching the niece and like hoping that wishing that he could connect with her and the and the uh, and the mother again um and then like you know him walking around being sad about it but then he stumbles upon uh, a homeless mother and daughter and like gives her back his the ball that she's lost and all of that kind of stuff i just um i love how he really uh, digs into that the entire film um and he, it, it's it's just that thing that he does a lot of the time it's that kind of redemption story or uh underdog kind of story mm-hmm. not just with the fighting but with the family stuff too yeah, yeah. Well, and and I mean th- this this gets kickstarted because like we we watch his brother do the sketchy drug deal under this LA freeway and he just gets lit on fire and charred and just you know the the dude is like you know he's 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 running and falling and crawling on on fire it's actually a pretty crazy stunt to just start the movie with honestly just a little bit too yeah. let alone just like a sort of a moody sequence and and that's that scene ends with him screaming for for his brother he's like leon leon (laughs) and all of a sudden we are in djibouti hard cut to van damme doing hard labor in the desert and wondering why the information that his sister-in-law has been trying to reach him helen um you know has hasn't been getting to him he's like my brother is is hurt i I need to leave and of course you know he's got all these military bureaucrat hard asses being like you can't you know you 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 owe us your time you owe us your body you owe us these things and of course he's not going to listen to that man he's going to break out of there with the power of his legs and Yeah, he the, kicks, the, the, like, I, he kicks a guy in the dick, which is like, <laughs> yeah. I think, like a, a real like setting of this is a little bit of maybe a tougher Jean Claude. 
Yeah, a yeah. little bit. He's adding a the, little bit of action beats to his repertoire that he doesn't have because you know you you get you get the windmill kicks, you get a little bit of the roundhousing going on, and and I do think a little bit of the cutting here is a little awkward. I do think Ledich is not the best director of martial arts action, which will be funny when we talk yeah. about Double Impact because I actually think he's a better kind of shootout filmmaker Definitely. than he is like a, when like he's a ripping fighter. off John Woo. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> pulls totally. it off a little bit more. Um, um, but there's still some real solid impacts here, and and some of the added violence, like yeah, for example like pinning a dude's hand to the wall with a knife or like throwing an elbow while he's driving a jeep through a fence like even just having him doing car stunts and stuff like he's he's definitely trying to upgrade some of the action yeah, I, yeah they're trying to make they're making a bigger movie like right off the bat from that guy from that man on fire little stunt to this like little action sequence in Djibouti they're making a statement with this movie of like we're not just making a small tournament movie this yeah. is our serious movie with real stakes and yep. we're going to show you more of what Jean-Claude can do. Because there's also like more boxing in this movie than there, than there is foot stuff. He, he definitely kicks guys, but there's a lot more of Jean-Claude punching guys in this movie. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. He also, I also love the way that he's introduced. So you get the, the fire sequence, but then when they cut back to him before they actually arrive at, at his location, they go back and forth between the Jeep arriving and his like biceps, like just close ups of him using a sledgehammer <laughs> and you know his mm-hmm. chest just bulging in the sun and all of that so how I love much that they, his movies leer at him is one yes. of the best qualities of his movies for for it's, everyone yeah especially this is the first time he showed his like so they show his nude butt in this movie and it's the first time he, they did that in his career and it was his idea by the way yes uh, yeah, they filmed the scene the with the robe on after they're done filming he goes to Ledich and says can we do another take with the robe off it like it looks yeah. just like I guess we'll figure it out in the editing room and like that becomes a signature of his career. If you read an interview with Ledich, uh, he mentions that it was a signature because both the women and the gay guys were into it. Like, <laughs> Ledich and, and JCVD were very aware of what he had going on and what yes. they needed to show off to the audiences to sell their yeah. movies. Yep. Yeah, it's which is it's, sick. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. I love that it's Van Damme that came up with the idea. Like yeah, I guess oh, yeah. in um in Bloodsport you have the one sequence where he's putting on the speedo but it's not quite a, a robe drop you know he's not going full no. throttle with it yet uh, yeah. there's there's a great like making of doc where they ask deborah renard about that story and she goes well he does have a good butt like that was her reaction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like he's right he knows what he has and he's right uh i've always found it interesting too that uh, most martial arts movies unless someone is in like a, a dire situation where they have to do it they don't do a lot of uh nut punching and Jean-Claude Van Damme has had it in all four movies so far. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure it's kind of like something that he, he uses throughout the, the filmography. And I've always just found that fascinating because I've always been on to the understanding that that's like the, the dirty move in fighting, you know. But he just, he doesn't give a shit. He split kicks and goes, wha Doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they, they make it work by making him like the underdog and everything. Yes. So he's getting his shit kicked in and then it comes across in a way of like a moment, a moment of desperation. So yes. he's not quite like, you know, Johnny Cage who breaks <laughs> it out cause he sucks at fighting. Right. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, but no, but, but the way that Van Damme just he, he understands his image, he understands his appeal to 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 women, especially. And and yeah, he also has a little bit of a homoerotic bent to him that he was completely comfortable with in a way that, you know, some of the other performers of his era, maybe, you know, sometimes weren't some of them were. Yeah, uh, some and some of them knew as well. But but Van Damme really knew. And even in the movies that he wrote, he was like, no, 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 we're going to add more. We're going to do we're going to get you know, I'm going to be wet and shirtless while working the engine room of the studio 
steamboat that's going to yeah. be taking me from Djibouti to New York. Um, just wait till we get to double impact. We, we don't have to get into it now, obviously, but it gets like incredibly sexual <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> well, well, in, yes. in, in, in this one, I'm thinking like, like when he finally does come across the underground, like street fighting ring, ring in New York where the, you know, the funky jazz music kind of starts kicking in a little bit and you mm-hmm. get these, you know, the, there's a little bit more of an energy to some of the filmmaking too. There is like this crazy 360 degree, like spinning camera maneuver at all of the people shouting, watching him win his first fight and kind of, you know, win the first bit of money and linking him up with the fight organizer Joshua played by uh, Harrison Page in the film who eventually takes him He's awesome and eventually takes him to Brian Thompson from Terminator and Cobra, who then, you know, it's, it's kind of like there's a whole web of people who takes him to <laughs> Cynthia, who dub, who is the one who finally dubs him Lionheart because he is as strong as a lion, but he has a big heart that makes him too trusting. Right. Um, he gets and, the Spider-Man and, treatment, right? He's like, my name's Leon. And they're like, no, you're you're, you're Lionheart. <laughs> you're Lionheart. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Exactly. And, and, and it's, but it, and it's that first scene where he's finally, you know, he go, he upgrades from, you know, street fighting for entertainment, uh, to, uh, you know, doing it for the wealthier elite in like a parking garage. So that's like the first upgrade It's just the venue yeah. upgrade. Like and no I, longer. some of the details in that fight too, like for the most part, you know, the, the fighting itself, it, it has its moments. Like it's, it's got a lot of just precise fighters like you have Van Damme obviously and his opponents are very good uh, but stuff that accented for me was when I, there's one part where blood like squirts out of somebody's mouth and gets on one of the like rich ladies dresses and face and then she she seems shocked at first mm-hmm. but then just starts like giving into it and cheering again and I well, was and she, uh, she, 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 she licks her, it like, on her yeah she licks it off her finger <laughs> right. yeah which is even yeah, crazier yeah, yeah. <laughs> while, while locking eyes with with Jean-Claude the entire time right yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. like 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 that that part has a little bit of, you know, like like clearly the 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 wealthy are into this because of, you know, for sadistic purposes almost in a way. Yeah. And you're you're watching these poorer people kind of beat the shit out of each other. But also, and what I wanted to point out to about the sort of homoerotic bent too, the first mm. guy he fights gets like a straight up roadhouse line delivered to him. Right. Which is, I don't know if I want to fight you or fuck you. Like that's how pretty Jean-Claude is. Like that's what the first opponent. Jean-Claude wrote that is very funny. Yes. I have to, I have to feel like that was his specific line. He's like, this is what I want him to say when he approaches me. (laughs) Well, and and even that guy, when he's fighting the guy before Jean-Claude, he, he's taunting his opponent by being like, let's do lunch sometime, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, maybe that guy's actually gay. Maybe it's just representation. It's yeah, true. Well, and do you, do you know what? Good for Jean Claude, man. He's 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 ad. There is a huge diversity of of fighters that take place in here, including a, a, a Scottish guy who just fights really dirty. Which maybe that's not the best that representation. <laughs> that's my favorite Accurate. of them because that is the most like this is a Street Fighter character in the movie. Yeah. He's ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's just a character. Yeah, it's it's a complete like cartoon, which is amazing. And I love the like we were already kind of discussing it, but the style of that fight is great because it's all this the headlights of the of the cars that are surrounding it, and that's what makes the ring itself like it's the circle. And then they start using the cars and slamming people into windshields and and all of that. And even when it ends, it's got this really great um, camera move where the camera is actually in the back seat as he's taunting two of the like head guards or whatever, holding up the Scottish guy. And he mm-hmm. just kind of like looks at them and then lets him go. And he hits his head off the, the hood and falls down onto the floor. It's um, he chokes the Scottish guy with a car antenna. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, like there's there's a lot of great uh, style in this sequence. I I really enjoy it. The staging is incredible in all the all the different fight sequences. They all have mm-hmm. in completely unique settings that they use fully. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, and like what, what, what are some of the go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, I, I also really appreciate just because like we're talking about a little bit of a diversity of location, but it, that only happens too because this film is a little bit longer than the other films that we've previously talked about with Jean-Claude. Like the version I watched, yeah, both of these was like are. An, I, I, I want to say it was like an hour 50, the version that I watched. So it is a little okay, bit yeah. shaggier. Um and I do think that some of the fighting is can be shot and cut in a little way that kind of dulls some of the, 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 the physical prowess of it. But it, again, it's given some visual detail and location and choreography and, and, and personality to it. And again, it's just it's populated with like a little bit of feeling like I actually liked spending the time kind of just hanging out with Jean-Claude and like mm-hmm. doing the little things that totally. he's doing around the cities because of the shaggier structure of it. It actually takes him like nearly half the movie to get to LA. Like the opening scene is his brother being murdered in LA and you immediately go, well, the next scene is he flies to LA and he goes <laughs> and kicks all those people's asses. Like that's just obviously what you would do. Um, but no, Jean-Claude, you know, he's, he's a little bit of a woke King. So he, he go, gets to New York <laughs> and the first thing that he does is one of the, my new, favorite scenes in any Jean-Claude movie which is that he get he he jumps off of the uh, 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 steamboat where he's being taken advantage of because he's now being treated as like a member of the underclass who's someone who, you know, they're like, well, we're going to basically put you into, we're going to enslave you essentially because you need our help to get to Los Angeles. And he's like, no, I'm going to kick your ass and then jump off your boat and swim the rest of the way to New York, <laughs> which he right. does do. And then he arrives in New York and you get this amazing, Amazing scene where he is just and Jean-Claude wrote this scene. It is just him observing the poverty on the streets of New York. And it's literally just Jean-Claude dripped out, wet as hell. He just swam from Djibouti to New York. Not quite that far, but, you know, pretty far. Um, And he is just observing all of these issues that he's seeing. And then he looks up. He, go, he literally goes from like looking at these poor people living in destitute on the street and then he looks up at a tall skyscraper yeah. and the camera follows his gaze while he makes that look and then he just shakes his head into himself. He just goes, America. <laughs> <laughs> and the music swells, the orchestra builds up and he's, it's totally, like it's completely genuine. He is just like, America, there is something wrong with this place and I'm going to kick my way through it and we're going to kick stumbles- my way way into the elites and I'm going to fuck them up. Yeah. And just stumble. Like, it's, it's an elevated thing. action movie, you know, yeah. and that's, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> we're coining it here. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I just love it immediately after that. He finds like the, uh, the street fight under the bridge and the, the that whole story begins. He's just like, Oh sweet. I found my, my calling in New York right away. That's perfect. Yeah, and then he's already punching dudes in the cock. And <laughs> yeah. be, but 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 he has but he has that's your say is he has motivation. He's like there's something sad and unjust and dark that now fuels these bodily actions that I'm about to take. He's and, not punching. You know, and, and you know what? Again, it's so simple, but it it does have a little bit of like power to it, especially in comparison oh, yeah. to you know some of the lazier you know sort of writing we've seen him have to do, where they just don't even put that work in at all. And yeah. you know. As, as much as you do feel a little bit of Van Damme's ego being like, I'm going to punch my way through America's <laughs> poverty problem. Um, you know, it's 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 beautiful that he thinks that he's going to do that and he's going to solve that. <laughs> yeah. There's another element of that in the story where uh, 
the French Foreign Legion, like, they want him back because he deserted. And someone, uh, their, like, uh, leading officer says something like, you know, maybe the LAPD will find him when they're done arresting drug dealers. There's this <laughs> idea that, like, the cops could arrest him, but they're too busy arresting poor people. And there's a scene about halfway through the movie where he's uh, watching his family from afar because they don't want anything to do with him. And That's he's, like, right. behind a tree, and he's two feet away from two LAPD officers that are arresting a group of teens. So it's like, oh, look, in America, the cops are too busy just arresting teenagers to deal with uh, another problem. Yeah. And it's, it's as, like, ham-fisted a visual as you can get, but it's extremely funny to me. <laughs> For sure. I also uh, do, like, some of the, uh, the, the dramatic, like, I was talking about the... Um, uh, the the part where he's walking around because he's kind of sad that his niece and uh, mm-hmm. the, and the mother um, won't allow him to see the niece, um, and he stumbles. Yeah, because upon they the blame homeless. him for getting his brother Francois like into the drug right. trade, essentially. Even though it's it's implied that by doing that, they mean that you know he he took the rap for you know his brother getting involved in 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 drugs, and then they go, well, then you 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 know you should have just let him go to jail and be rehabilitated rather than you know uh, you know l- let him just continue doing on what he was doing and and you know having to fend for himself essentially in in the streets, in which we do get an incredible Jean-Claude line delivery. He was not s- enough strong to be jail. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is, and I will say it's kind of moving. It, yeah. It's silly, but it's like kind of it. moving. <laughs> like, what, what makes lines like that work is as much as Jean-Claude is in these early movies, like struggling with English, what makes those line deliveries work for me and makes them so endearing is that you can tell He's trying. Like, he's never yeah. phoned in a performance. There's maybe... I've seen 45 Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. I've maybe seen one or two performances where I felt like it was kind of phoned in. He is trying in every movie he's ever done, no matter the size and no matter, like, what the subject matter is. He's always putting everything he can. And you can tell that he genuinely wants to be the best actor he can be in mm-hmm. any given scene in any given line delivery. And that passion comes through. So, like... Mm-hmm. I believe the emotion of of lines like that, even if sometimes the delivery is silly. Yeah. And just the confidence to to go for them. Like he could have mm-hmm. easily just done one stupid little action movie after the other, but for him to make the conscious choice three like this is his I guess, you know, kinda like third movie that's really a mm-hmm. feature for him. And this is when he decides to make the the change. And he seems like he has, um, I can't remember if it was in the Lionheart or the Double Impact notes that I was looking at, but he seems to be completely aware of this. Like he's like, people will stop watching me if I just do the same thing over and over again. So he's just, he's also like a very intelligent person and very uh, calculated and self-aware of what he's doing. Um, And that is something that definitely elevates him. You can see he that he wants like, to entertain and improve as as an artist. Yeah, exactly. And it's all on screen. Like, to compare to great. a guy today, I think he's a lot like Dave Batista in that way. Where like sure. Dave Batista is I think people recognize him as a good actor now. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't always and he got there by pushing himself constantly. That was Jean-Claude Van Damme from early on just pushing himself to always be a better actor. And by his like forties and fifties he got there. But mm. when you look back, you can see him trying here in his like twenties. Yeah. Uh, when that journey starts. 
Yeah, and, 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 and that's what's sort of what interesting is that you can tell how badly they want this to be like a legitimate drama, mm-hmm. and it is a significant in terms of writing improvement over the dramatics of, of Bloodsport and, and Kickboxer, and as a result, they do sacrifice some kind of, of the lean action qualities of those films in order to Definitely. pull them off. Like, there's lots of scenes here of him walking around America and seeing injustice and feeling sad, and, you know, even just the fact that a good half of this movie is him being like well my brother was murdered and the only thing that came of it is that i was i i was taken advantage of on a boat and had to start doing street fighting to make money to make my way to los angeles and by the time he made it his brother basically had just died Uh, you know so it's just like there's so much horrible things happening and the next step of it is well also your brother's family is now in like crippling medical debt (laughs) <laughs> yeah and 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 this is actually one of and the few movies <laughs> where he doesn't want to fight is kind of the idea too where like right. in the other ones he's you know he's kind of eagerly training and signing up and trying to get involved trying to prove himself in this he's like for the most part too he's like the fighting is like an ugly thing that i do to make money for like a good reason essentially yeah. and that's the yeah, only like the reason why where, when he gets to la and he decides to keep fighting but when he does that one fight in new york he's like that's enough money for me to get to la i'm good that's it i'm out yeah there's multiple <laughs> scenes where he's just telling them uh repetitively that, he, that he's just kind of like uh no i'm doing this for my family i'm not doing this for you like as soon as i get the money i'm out that that whole thing um and so yeah he's, he's definitely a more like endearing character than like even though he acknowledges the temptations because there is the lady cynthia in her los angeles condo where she uh she strips (laughs) for him and wears her lingerie and and i do love that when he wakes up yeah he's naked in bed because she stripped him down while he was asleep and then she's just in front of him in the room just like working out like she's trying to pull like one of his moves on him yeah she's like oh do you see my do you see my tight workout clothes there (laughs) (laughs) jean-claude well i'm doing back rows yeah definitely yes which is the butt shot scene in in the robe and you know he even says he even gets his you know i'm not your play toy you know you can't just you can't just buy me and and buy sex from me woman but then i like that he plays back just to taunt her because he knows just how sexy he really is (laughs) it's great of course yeah, yeah, he puts on the robe just to take it off again. Yeah, yes. right, exactly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, what a brilliant move. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a power Yeah, so move. it's so funny that you'll have a scene yeah, like that. Uh, and, and then you'll get, like, those moments, like what Brandon was talking about, like the, the, the cool little crane shot of the Legionnaires tailing him and Helen and the Legionnaires looking for him and, you know, seeing, observing all of this, you know, sort of, like, financial trouble that not just his family is in, but other people are in as well. And, you know, it's just, you know, eventually he starts making the money in L.A. Um, uh, and starts sending it to uh, his, his brother's wife or his sister-in-law, essentially, um, via Joshua, the Harrison Page character, who is pretending to be, like, an insurance policy guy for the yeah. late husband. Uh, and, and, and eventually, of course, he has to win his way back in, in, into their lives and get and referred think, to as, as, as the, the, the niece by uh, not a stranger, which I, I do think is like a funny little writerly, like it's a very cute little writerly gesture that like a first time writer would come up with, which is like, yeah. you know, 
you know, the, the little girl, the, the, my mom said not to talk to strangers. Is this guy a stranger? And she's like, well, yes, he is because I hate him. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, over the course of the film, you know, he's not a stranger. He's your uncle and he's right. awesome. And we love him. <laughs> love can blossom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so while, while we're mentioning like the Harrison Page character, the yeah, Harrison Page character, uh, one thing about him is like he's just incredible in the movie. And there's an interview with Sheldon Lettich where he talks about why he hired him and his thought process and casting his films with Jean-Claude and what set it apart. He describes the earlier films, Kickboxer and Bloodsport, as having like a, he called it the canon mindset, which is that they believe that if they just had Jean-Claude in fights, that's all they needed to get audiences. They didn't need anything more. They didn't have to surround him with great actors. Lettich's idea was that Jean-Claude is a competitive guy. And if you put someone in the scene with him who was going to outact him, you won't show him up. You will, in fact, just push him to try even harder and to become a better actor mm. himself. That was his mindset in directing Jean-Claude and knowing him as a friend and knowing that's who he was, was to surround him with actors like Harrison Page in this movie or Jeffrey Lewis in the movie we'll talk about next. Yes. Who will push him to become even better in every scene that he has to share with them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's true. It worked. Jean-Claude, he's putting the work in. Yeah, they you know. did seem to have an under, an understanding with each other that worked really well. Is this the last, like, was Double Impact the last time that they worked together? No, they, they, like, they did some later stuff into the 2000s, I believe. Brandon's stuff. probably okay. seen them. Sweet. I, I've seen them all. Uh, they did The <laughs> Quest, which is their take on a... I'm sorry, The Quest was a... That's Jean-Claude Van Damme's yeah, Van directorial Dam's. debut, yeah. which Sheldon Lettich, like, helped write. Oh, um, okay. The Order is what I meant to say. I always... The blank. They're yeah. kind of the same <laughs> title. Yeah. Uh, the Order is their take on an Indiana Jones movie. It takes place in Jerusalem about like a secret uh, religious sect and conspiracy. Oh, cool. Uh, that's, that's like, an, that's like uh, Charlton Heston's last movie in the U.S. Uh, just interesting fact. He plays Jean-Claude's dad in it. They also made um, Hardcore Together, which is sadly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, so you can skip that one. Came out in 06. Uh, but, uh, the, the order is pretty fun. Uh, he, oh, oh yeah. um, Sheldon Lynch also helped write Legionnaire, which is like another movie where Jean-Claude's a Legionnaire, except this time he's in Morocco and there's an uprising against like the French, uh, colonizers there. And it's kind <laughs> of almost his sort of serious war movie, maybe a, a bit of his Lawrence of Arabia, okay. not as good. To be clear, um, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely him going for like a serious and nuanced war movie. Uh, so, yeah, they've worked together a few times, uh, both uh, with Sheldon Lettish helping uh, do script polish on movies that he didn't direct and also him directing Jean-Claude like a half dozen times. OK, yeah. do, Why, do you feel I, like I mean, this is his strongest with Sheldon? Lionheart? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think like Lionheart and Double Impact are their two strongest they've done okay. together. Cool. Just curious, because I, I wasn't sure if I saw any of their other later ones. I've seen a few Van Dams, but I would recommend The Order. I think that's a fun movie. Uh, cool. It's like a middling, but like it's a fun, goofy uh, Indiana Jones thing. There's the, the opening set pieces is uh, Jean Claude trying to steal a Fabergé egg from a museum, and it features <laughs> him having to juggle it in the air in between doing kicks on security guards that are trying to stop him. Oh, nice! That sounds great. <laughs> 
which is is very silly and very fun. Yeah, yeah, I I do like that later in his career he would diversify. As I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit, even which is just double impact. But he would diversify yeah. the kinds of fighting that he was willing to do because this movie is a lot tone. of. It's very funny. It like is double impact has humor in it, which we'll get to. Yeah, but but like this is a lot of you know he is still doing technic like. It's better than a lot of the tournament fighting, which did become a little bit samey in both the movies we talked about last week, where they would just kind of like, you know, they would literally just do a montage of 10 different fights and you couldn't tell them together. And we've already talked about like with with this, you know, he'll, you know, be fighting a Scottish dude who is shirtless except for his kilt in a sea of car <laughs> headlights forming a ring around them. Like that is just inherently, a you know, a better piece of visualization of of, of fighting and having him be like thrown through a windshield or strangling a guy with an antenna or at one point he just punches his fist through the driver's side window of a car and knocks right. he kicks a guy through the glass wall at like a like a handball court or something uh, yeah it's, it's like it's like a squash court i'm pretty yeah. sure which is sick and and in that case he's actually fighting like a wrestler type fighter too <laughs> so he has to like change his style and it is funny when he kicks them through the glass and you just get all the the bloodthirsty rich dudes with like holding money with bets and they're being they're like yeah like push them <laughs> through and then you know cut to him jogging in la and watching his niece like ride her new bike that she can now afford because of you know the fighting that he's doing and then doing his fit changes too where he goes from like the jeans and boots that he fights in one scene to like the full-on like gym spandex that he has while he's you know fighting a legit like martial artist in that shallow swimming pool which is clearly there for the sole purpose of the shots where he kicks his opponent into the water and his opponent can just whip his long hair out like a beautiful like (laughs) 80s woman in a music video you know that's clearly why that location was chosen but again surrounded by rich people screaming at them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is really funny too to watch like that party and just to have everybody there in their bathing suits like cheering uh, surrounding an empty pool as people just kick their asses in it it's just such a, a strange looking scene but very entertaining yeah but but he, he eventually makes his way up the ring making all of this money uh, for his family but he's also making a couple enemies on the way you know because the French Legionnaire is still after him and Cynthia is getting a little bit annoyed because she has brought this guy in she has you know risen him to prominence in this fighting circuit but uh, he doesn't want to sleep with her and she thinks <laughs> that he actually wants to sleep with his sister-in-law and is not just supporting her financially because it's the moral thing to do in that situation. Um, so she actually organizes a way to basically take him down and bet against him at the same time by setting up a, of course, you, you got to have in the Jean-Claude movie, mm-hmm. you know, a big bad guy by the name of Attila in this film. who is a guy who they awesome. show tapes of. He's just a huge man. He's chicken, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And he just and, takes and, punches. And his, like his whole his whole fighting style is just to get punched in the face <laughs> and then eventually attack. It's yeah. It's he, he just gets punched in the face twenty tank. times yeah. and is like, you know, I can take it and then makes you it gets the opponent's confidence up and then just like breaks your spine. That's his whole <laughs> deal. <laughs> I, I I love her gambit with him where she watches the tape and then she edits it herself and cuts off the part where Attila wins. So she get, can get people to like bet against Attila by thinking he's weak and just takes a bunch of punches. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and the French Classic legionnaire time. show up and they're like, look, we will give him back to you once he loses this fight. And the, the French legion are just like, can we watch? We'd, we'd like <laughs> to show up and, and hang out at, at that fight. Uh, and he arrives at the house for the big fight. 
Two, the one instance of a big soft rock uh, pop ballad playing, No Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> no Mercy, uh, backs to the wall, No Mercy, it's winner takes all. That's right. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And That's I love you get that. Some uh, classic Jean Claude. That Jean Claude bets on himself, baby. And there's dialogue yeah. to say that. He's like, I, put all, I took all of my money, and I bet on myself. And it's just like, it's, it's just such a, I mean, it's, you know, it's a cliche, but it just, it's his, I love his confidence that his just like his <laughs> spirit. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing that's like a little bit disorienting about this fight, cause there is some cool stuff that they throw in here where, um, they, they repeat uh, certain blows that he does so that you'll mm-hmm. get the impact of it. It's kind of like the Jackie Chan thing where he was a kind of like show, show people like hitting twice or, or, e- or even hitting a third time and yeah. make sure they see it every time to make it all seem like it's one big hit. Unfortunately, I think that's what they're trying to do. And in this, they end up doing it like eight times and it doesn't seem like one big hit. It just seems like they're the same you know, kind of like jump again. cutting into a fight scene or something. Um, sure, yeah. So so doing so many like shot reverse shot hits on every impact that they do in this is a little bit much but it does have some decent like sports movie drama to it where he's like you know he's coming in with the broken ribs from the chase scene with the legionnaire he's not looking confident like he normally is that kind of thing what and attila immediately takes advantage of it like there's some drama and decision making by the fighters to be like oh i see that he's weak there i'm gonna punch him there and he's fighting in this case he's fighting a dude so big uh you know that he he can't you know, he can't just bring him down the usual way that he takes a guy down. Like this guy is like slapping Van Damme's like fists and just like hitting them back. Like he's just it's, yeah. it's crazy the things that he is doing. And His there's a, there's actually, too big. <laughs> there's one yeah. part where that made me laugh where Attila is just punching him in the thighs over and over again. I was like, dude, this <laughs> guy knows those legs. Yeah, he knows yeah, exactly this is, this what the is, weapons this are. This, we always say this every time we talk about a Jean-Claude is how do you not just like cut his legs off or like, you know, he's going to like in in Cyborg when they they crucify him and you're like, you're going to leave him up there with his legs. He's going yeah, to kick done. his way down. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Like you got to get rid of those things. This guy Attila, he knows. No, I'm going to punch him in the thigh. It's just over and over again. <laughs> oh, my God. It's great. And I love to like the, the whole underdog thing, of course, comes back into play because the reason that he gets his. Uh, his triumphant moment and his confidence back is because he discovers that everyone is betting against him. So even his manager. So he's like, well, (laughs) fuck you. And just, you know, does his whole scream slow-mo thing. Gives him a last burst of rage mode energy. Exactly. Josh Josh was like, I bet against you. Just take the fall. We can like pay for your family. And he's like, fuck at this point. He just doesn't care about his family more. Like I just fucking, I'm going to win this fight now. Like my motivations were to win money for my family. Now, fuck you. I'm just going to win the fight. Yeah, that's yeah well, like because, because, like, because at that point when he's like uh, like at first it's to avenge his brother <laughs> and then at a certain point he's looking him his brother dead in the eye and he's just like I'm better than you I can fight this yeah. guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but and what's funny about that that detail too is that yeah like Joshua is telling him like I placed a bet against you we can split it 50 50 like your your family will get paid for if you just like tap out right now but he also knows that he will win money if he fights. So at yeah. that point, he's told win or lose, 
your family is going to be paid. So he's just like, well, fuck that shit then. Like, I am just going to, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And we do get to see the return of some of the Bruce Lee screams that he does yeah. in Bloodsport. And, you know, he's, you know, even even kicking uh, everyone around Attila while he's beating the shit out of him. <laughs> you know, like, people are trying to, like, get him off and are trying to get involved. And he's like, no. <laughs> um, but then, of and, course, he leaves yeah. him with a little bit of mercy because he's a good guy. Oh, of course. That look of intensity <laughs> as he's like, he has his fist held, like he's like threatening, I will finish this guy off if he doesn't stay down. Yeah. Uh, is, is an incredibly good look from, from John Claude. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, and well, and you get Joshua admitting to him after the scene kind of earlier in the film where he he's the kind of explicates the idea where he's just like, you know, it's it's your damn heart. You're just too you're just too good of a person in, in, <laughs> in such a terrible world. And that's why all of these bad things are happening to mm -hmm. you and your family. And, you know, and then, he, of course, he has to admit that when he wins that fight and he gets, you know, everyone's like, great fight, Leo. Your family's going to be OK now. And Joshua has to admit, you know, his heart, that's what won him that fight. And then he gets to go back to Helen covered in blood to prove what he was willing to do for them. And the Legionnaires are taking him back. But this is the best detail of this whole thing because Van Damme wrote <laughs> this once again. Van Damme writes himself a little monologue where his niece is like, how is it like fair that they are going to be taking you away after like clearly, you know, you exposed them for, you know, being these bad people and you you won despite them trying to rig it all against you and you you're paying off our medical bills and, you know, we're you're back in our life and the legionnaire are still going to be pulling him him away. And he gets to give this beautiful monologue where he's like, life is not too fair and ugly and stupid and mean but sometime life is beautiful too. <laughs> yeah. And I have to go back to an ugly place. And if I don't, I'll be running for the rest of my life. And you and your mammy will be running with me. And you've seen too much ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he's right. And, uh, yeah. And then he's like, uh, I'll always have something beautiful to remember. It's just like, it's, it's so like romantic and all that shit. Like it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's very heartfelt and you can see it's being performed by a guy who believes it because yeah. he wrote it and he's just like, that's just it, man. That's what the movie's about, man. Life is ugly and stupid and mean out there, but you can, you can do good and you can do beautiful things the power of love. Uh, in it. That's right. Yep. And, and I love legionnaires to... are so moved by it and <laughs> listening to it. That they are like, you know what? We're not going to take him back. We're going to drive him away and make it look like we're taking him away. Let him out a few blocks out, and then he can run all the way back to his family. And they're, and they know, they're tearing up, and yeah, yeah big crescendo <laughs> as the camera pans up. It's just a, a god. That shot of him moment. running over the uh, the 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 hilly street to get back to Incredible. them and everything. Yeah, amazing. Just, yeah, just it's seeing like, his figure like, come it has and rise. Basically, two endings. Because it, it gets to have its bittersweet, like, sad ending where the Legionnaires take him away. Yeah. And then it gets to also do its happy ending. It, like, it, yeah, it, where they it, change their mind. <laughs> and even though I've seen this movie multiple get times, if both kid. endings hit me every time. I'm like, yes, yes, it is sad that he's going back to prison. And, <laughs> like, and he, like, is talking about how beautiful life is. It is sad. And then, yes, it is, like, extremely uplifting when he gets let go. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it feels just so... The, the the decision to uh, for him to go back is just so quick and it's funny to see the the legionnaire guards do this because they've been presented the entire time as like really dangerous people that if he gets <laughs> caught like that it's over um, just every single time they pop on camera they're just very stern and mean looking they have no character except hating him yeah and then and then instantly they just see the love and can't help themselves I think that's so funny and just 
just yeah uplifting in a way either um, that or they're afraid after seeing him beat up attila <laughs> yeah, yeah this too. is this is this is just jean claude's aspiration like this is him telling you like he he wants he he can convert everyone with the power yes. of goodness and with passion and with also, heart you know <laughs> i also love to even after he says that long monologue the i'll always have something beautiful to remember he still gets in the car and they do kind of like a mid close-up kind of thing he looks right at them and he goes i love you and then the the fucking car just drives away leaving him out of frame it's just it's like one thing after another in this finale um just to get the heart the heart pumping yep yep (laughs) and yeah and that and that is uh that is lionheart lionheart so for pivoting i think towards the reductive uh rating round this one gets a very solid two i might this is my first time watching it so i'm gonna give it the solid three for now but i might i could see this even getting a little bit you know into the into the high three territory for me a little bit because i did have a really good um time with it and i do think it's quite kind of you know again i don't know that all of it will land for everyone some of the drama is very simple and some of the yes. performances are not like like they are better than previous van damme films hugely but for this style of sort of like class melodrama you probably have better examples to point to but <laughs> if you could just get on the wavelength of like what van damme wants to do and mm-hmm. appreciate what it is that you know he got his shot at writing a star vehicle for himself and he was like i'm gonna make an actual like fighting class melodrama where it's still going to have me going a wall from the bureaucrats and it's still going to have me fighting sort of in like you know a, a series of fighting events um but instead of being like this like cheap b movie with one liners it is going to have this kind of old fashioned shaggy dramatic uh, quality to it and you know he's going to he's going to see injustice in, in on the streets of New York and he's going to see people not able to afford medical bills and he's going to overcome it by you know the, the belief in doing the right thing and punching dudes in the dick and the movie comes closer than it should to convincing you that Jean-Claude Van Damme could fix those issues by uh, being um, who he is and just even the fact that he wants to he wants you to be yeah. like look I want you to see me, Jean-Claude, bear witness to these things and take on these bloodthirsty elites and, you know, and, and, and do that kind of stuff. And also, this is a slight upgrade, I will say. Like, Ledich directing him as an actual character definitely contributes a lot to what makes this work. It also helps that they had um, Robert C. New, the cinematographer for this, who shot Prom Night and Night of the Creeps. Uh, It Mm. actually does kind of give it a little bit of nice lighting and location work and a gritty kind of like crime movie texture to it. And obviously we talked about even if the fighting uh, by Ledich is not necessarily shot and cut the most impressively, especially in comparison to where Van Damme would get later in his career with the Hong Kong filmmakers. um, You know, there is enough diversity in, you know, how they chose to actually choreograph and give some of the fighters personality, like the guy who's saying, I don't know if I want to fight you or fuck you or. (laughs) Or, you know, fighting a wrestler in a squash court or fighting a martial artist in a shallow pool, that that kind of stuff. So a Scottish man surrounded by cars. There's definitely more effort than, you know, like the montage fighting in Bloodsport, which, again, like there's some good fights in Bloodsport, especially some of the individually sequenced fighting. But at a certain point, it was like after like montage after montage where fights just kind of blended together, they kind of felt like they didn't matter that much. It felt like they were, you know, in terms of diversifying the look and the opponents, they were trying to put an effort into this one a little bit more. So, yeah, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme better dramatic actor 
then uh, and the fact that he just this is what he wanted to do he could have so easily just taken canon money for the rest of his career he could have went Norris style he could have just been like you know just put me in one after another another blood sport knockoff put me in all four of the sequels which he never did any of them he was like no no no, (laughs) i'm gonna write a movie i'm gonna push myself as as brandon was pointing out and yeah it's it's fun to watch uh even if it doesn't all completely work yeah, yeah, totally. I think uh, I think Ledich and Van Dam just have a really good understanding of each other. Um, especially specifically Ledich to Van Dam, you can tell that he knew what Van Dam was really good at, what he wanted to try to pull off, and just gave him the vehicle to do so, which is awesome. Because I do think Van Dam does a really good job, and it's it's crazy to see this much improvement over just like what is it a year or two? From, yeah, I think a year from Bloodsport was it 1989 Bloodsport. Um, uh, 88, I believe. Oh, okay. And I think so Kickboxer was 89. Okay. Gotcha. But still like to see this kind of improvement and just kind of this, this confidence as a dramatic actor in this amount of time being who he is and kind of probably understanding what his image was after Bloodsport and Kickboxer, which was just like a really good looking kind of eccentric, uh, fighter. I just think that this is so awesome that he made the decision to try to be more uh, of a dramatic actor at the same time, but still having all the fun split kicking and, you know, kind of Bruce Lee slow-mo screams and all of that. I just think that he has such an understanding of what he wants and also how people view him. And I think that that is pretty rare to be that this self-aware when you're this kind of a star. Um, so I just think that that's incredibly impressive. And, uh, yeah, the, the fighting is, is kind of fun. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not the most exciting choreography, but some of the style really helps with that, especially when it comes to the locations. Like it really does feel like an adventure when he goes from New York to LA and you're going to all these different locations that he's fighting in. And, and because of the different locations, he kind of has to adjust how he fights and whoever he's fighting as well. He has to adjust that. So there's a lot here. That's, uh, that's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I, I would give it a probably a three, maybe a strong three. Um, I do think it's a little long, just given the the kind of archetypes and stereotypes it dives into with the dramatic stuff. Because um, you just you know what's gonna happen, but I do just love seeing Van Dam give it his all. So <laughs> did, 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 really did you guys have the scene where he did like he just gets confronted by a gang? in yeah. New York at yes. one point. Right. The he gets about like a gang out, straight out of the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there was definitely part of me that I was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how necessary this aspect is other than they want to prove that, you know, him and Joshua have to be made close. He has to start to trust Joshua that he's not just like a guy who's, you know, there to, you know, take advantage and be mm-hmm. part of the the fighting scene that this guy also kind of has a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, he could also be like an actual person he has feelings for. It does right. have the funniest moment in the movie, too, where Joshua chokes out a guy with the phone and then uses the phone while the guy is being choked out with it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But yeah, for me, it'd be a solid three, maybe a strong three. But it's it's good. And I definitely recommend it. Yeah. For you, Brandon. Uh, acknowledging that I'm like usually one star above most people on Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. This is a four for me. Nice. Uh, Hell yeah. I love really it. do love this movie. Uh, you guys agree with everything you guys just said. It is like a big step up, I think, over the previous movies in terms of setting. I love like that we go through all these different stages for each fight. There is maybe it's not the best action direction of the career of Jean-Claude Van Damme, but there are like such unique locations for each one of those fights and these cartoon characters that he's fighting are entertaining. And as like that first step of Jean-Claude becoming a dramatic actor, it is such an important movie in his career uh, and an interesting one. And I think a 
his, if not his best, his second best performance of the 90s. It's either this or Sudden mm. Death, I think. I love um, Sudden Death so In terms much. of, like, dramatic performances, of course. Yeah. Uh, and, like, yeah, it's just, to me, like, this is just an easy watch. I love his uh, relationship to the Joshua character. I think they have incredible chemistry. It is very smart to pair him with, like, a, with a motor mouth character who can sort of in a classic wrestler manager sort of dynamic, have a guy who can yeah. give most of the dialogue. And then when you need the big moments to hit, it hits even harder when Van Damme finally speaks up. Like he nails those, um, those monologues that he has to do throughout the movie. There's a moment where he finds out his brother's dead. And like the look on his face as he's talking to the doctor is just, like, it's really affecting. I think he's, I think as he struggles with dialogue, like his face is always really expressive, even early on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I know I love the performance. Uh, I think Sheldon Ledich is like surprisingly a really solid director. Uh, and I think the main advantage of him, I think, on top of really getting the appeal of Jean-Claude, is if maybe they're not the deepest stories in the film, I think he really nails story structure across every script he's ever written for Jean-Claude. This movie, mm-hmm. just it, I think all his movies are structured pretty well. They flow really well. I don't know. It's just, I, I love this movie. Uh, it's it's four stars for me. Hell nice. yeah. Hell yeah. Love that. Well, I, I think that that is going to wrap it up for Lionheart. We are going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about Double Impact. Stick around. They're damn quick. Express service. Damn cool. Damn hot. So now what do we do? That's what I love about you. Van Damme. Ah! Times two. Ah! Double the fun. I would never in my life wear black silk underwear. I'm with you on that one. And double <laughs> the van damage. Double impact. All right, we are back and we are talking double impact. The 1991 martial arts action film directed uh, by uh, Sheldon Ledich uh, once again and once again co-written and uh, co-produced and co-starring Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme. These these two boys, they, they also gave themselves story by credits on this one as well. They're getting fancy with it. You know, they're they're not just coming up with the with the writing. You know, they're, they're yeah. doing all of it. <laughs> um, and, and in between Lionheart and this, he did have Death Warrant uh, come out in between them, which is a very funny one to come out between. I did I did watch briefly because I had a little bit of extra time this week and I was kind of like, you know what? I'll throw on the one they did in between as well. And what I didn't know going into that one that it was the debut of a uh, Hotshot screenwriter David S. Goyer yeah. uh, and has uh, Van Damme playing a Royal Canadian mounted police officer investigating a series of murders inside a corrupt prison. That, so the movie is In like L.A., I think. Yeah, right? it's so like it's I, sort I don't of understand a prison how the movie. Logic of that story goes, because it's like, no, <laughs> why is a Mountie in the U.S. The one going undercover? Yeah. A U.S. <laughs> serial killer. Uh, but it's cool because it kicks a guy into a furnace, and that's really all you need. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, it, like, it's sort of a prison movie. It's sort of an undercover cop movie. It's like sort of a slasher because the serial killer gets like some kind of gnarly killing sequences. And it's not really Stand particularly man. great at being any one of those three movies, but it does climax, as Brandon said, on Van Damme, like drop kicking the bad guy into an incinerator while he screams, welcome to hell. So, you know. <laughs> I was definitely Ooh. like I was Cinema. I was I was glad that I checked it out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a fun movie. 
But um, after Lionheart and after his run in with uh, doing all of these martial arts films, because the thing about Lionheart that we kind of mentioned is that it's still sort of like a, a you know, a series mm. of martial arts fighting scenes and, right. you know, sort of set up not in like the kind of situations of like a martial arts film where they just get into fights over the drama of the story. There is actually like a there's not a full on tournament, but, you know, there there is uh, Might as well be. There's an economy around yeah. the the business of fighting in a similar way. Um, so you could tell definitely going into Double Impact that him and Ledich were, you know, they were already expanding the dramatics and the range of characters that he could play. But they were like, how can we also expand his range of of action and you know, so if, if Lionheart saw him moving into class melodrama, if Def Warrant saw him going into kind of crime procedural a little bit, he wanted to take it to the next step, which was one, a dual role, which, as Jamie mentioned at the top of the show, he was inspired to do because of Jeremy Irons, amazing performance that we talked about on the show in David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers, which he he watched and he loved. Um, but Ledage and Van Damme both also claim to have taken inspiration. This is my favorite part of this from Alexander Dumas's novella. <laughs> I forget from like 1800s or something. The Corsican brothers. The the Corsican brothers. That's exactly right. Uh, About um, two conjoined brothers who are separated at birth, but who can still like feel each other's physical uh, sort of like attributes and the and the pain that they are. So they're still sort of connected in that way, almost psychically. Um, And they went. We need Van Damme to do that character. And one of the best details I found researching this was that Van Damme was so in love with this idea. He actually pitched this to Albert Pune on Cyborg and he they all and that was who he wanted to do it with. And Pune actually was like, are you really sure you want to do like the gimmick, like two person, like same, you know, thing? He's like, I don't know if you need to do that, dude. And Van Damme credit to him he stuck with it and he was like no I actually do want to do it and it won't just be a gimmick I actually want to play two different characters who have actual drama with one another and in this case the the loose log line here is he's playing Alex and Chad Wagner two estranged brothers who like the Alexander Dumas story are separated at birth when their parents were are, are killed and they are raised by separate families one in Paris and one in Hong Kong uh, which is uh, obvious ways to one uh, make sense of his accent and two also make sense of where his fighting skills are coming from. So the, he, he loves picking locations that he's from that just work with his actual backstory. Um, but these two brothers find each other 25 years later in order to get some revenge on uh, who it was who killed their parents, which turns into a full on like crime conspiracy. conspiracy. It's very yeah, confusing. It gets, it gets crazy actually. <laughs> I was confused the first time I watched this movie. I did not get the story the first time I ever watched this. I think it took like two or three watches to come around to like, I think I understand the machinations of what's going on. Yes. And well, and, and, and again, it's very ambitious, like similarly to, uh, Lionheart, you can tell immediately like the kinds of movies that you've all, like you've seen these kinds of movies before, but he's like Van Damme is like, I can also do those kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. You can tell that he's, he's putting in the effort to really show you. And in this, like he starts off with like just a pretty impressive, like gruesome chase and action sequences, which is uh, happens during a celebratory unveiling of like this new tunnel that's been built in. In Hong Kong by 
their uh the the brother's father paul wagner and his business partner nigel griffith played by alex scarf actually which was funny because we just mentioned him briefly in uh when we had peter kaplowski on and we talked about the wrong guy uh he was the farmer jamie yeah oh. uh, <laughs> So I was like, damn, right. I, we, we just talked about that guy recently. But so him and his business partner have built this bridge in Hong Kong or, or this tunnel in Hong Kong. Um, and on the ride home, his dad dismisses their bodyguard, Frank Avery, played by Jeffrey Lewis, who's an awesome actor and spectacular. Choosing every line. He's incredible. Yeah. He's awesome. And he's I, I, I especially love him as uh, uh, in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot with uh, Clint Eastwood. Um but we also, again, I think talked about him recently when we went on the Soundtracker podcast, Jamie, because he was in Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he we So Jeffrey Lewis, wonderful actor, and yeah, he gets good. dismissed away from protecting, um, you know, the, the person that he's watching over, um, Paul Wagner. And the second that he stops tailing, uh, you know, uh, the, the person he's supposed to be protecting, they all of a sudden get pursued by some triad members intent on assassinating Wagner and his wife. And this scene, like, again, talk about both movies kind of opening with a bang. You get a dude lit on fire and, and, and charred in the opening of Lionheart. In this, you get the return of Bolo Yoon, who, yeah. uh, from, from Bloodsport, who shows up as a henchman with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And, this is just not a badly directed little shootout, honestly, like great use of the stark like headlight uh, beams and broken glass and squibs and splatter all over the cars. It's and brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. It's pretty ruthless too, just the way it presents the death of the mother and father as well, especially the yes. mother. Like it doesn't, you know, doesn't have the, the impact, which I think probably would have been way too over the top. Um, <laughs> but just, just the fact that it's like a point blank gunshot to the head from a shotgun it, in front of her the fact children. That, like it, like it's, it's built up with, she asks like, what's going to happen to my kids. And Bully Young's uh, answer is like, you'll never know. You'll never know. Yeah. There's a coldness to that. Like, holy <laughs> hell. Yeah. That's just evil. <laughs> And then executing her in front of like two screaming babies in the back of the car and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, and even just throwing in some details too, like Bolo nearly gets his face shot off by Jeffrey Lewis when when Frank, the bodyguard, shows back up. He gets a Bond villain scar. He gets like the Bond henchman scar on his face. Yeah. yeah there's a little bit of Bond action going on here. I mean, they, they even make they even drop a literal Sean Connery reference where they're saying mm-hmm. that Jeffrey Lewis kind of has some <laughs> Sean Connery vibes at one point and they yeah. have to go, you know, into a, a club in tuxedos you know trying to pull off some little some little espionage to plan a bomb there as but well. instead it's like yeah. <laughs> a lot more kind of clumsy in a way just because the bomb isn't like this secret you know it's not like a a little device that sticks to the wall or something like that it's just in a giant box that's supposed <laughs> to have like uh uh it's some type of drink that the that the it's supposed, yeah, it's leader to have likes. like bourbon in it or something yeah yeah and that's what they're using cognac. to kind of plant it yeah cognac, that's what yeah. it was that's what it was but it's just it, it well, feels, yeah, specifically from france they were like you got to smuggle in the nice french cognac yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so of course they have van damme doing it and uh yeah it just I, I do find it funny that they have those elements of like a almost super spy kind of stuff but then it's all a lot more blunt <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and and Frank, uh, very luckily for uh, Jeffrey Lewis playing Frank here, like very luckily he shows up and you know uh, shoots back and starts shooting people's faces off. It's a very bloody shootout that he has, and he escapes with one of the babies, Chad, who he takes to France, and the other baby, Alex, uh, is taken by uh, the maid who takes him and drops him off at an orphanage in I, Hong Kong. I, I love 
like Jeffrey Lewis, he tells her take the kids and she takes one of them. So I have to imagine that was just her favorite kid. Yeah, because <laughs> afterward he looks in the car and goes he, like he's surprised that there's an extra baby in the car. It's like, oh, she just took her favorite. Yeah, he's like, I don't really go. like Chad that much. <laughs> and and while he's carrying Chad, too, I love that they clear up like like you would think it would be like a big reveal because I was sitting there going, well, it's of course his <laughs> business partner is the one who orchestrated yeah. all of this, but it's not treated like a late in the movie reveal. They're just like straight up like no Frank sees Griffith, his business partner, just like smoking a cigar mm. uh, alongside uh, the Hong Kong gangster who in this case is played uh, is a guy named Raymond uh, Zhang, played by Philip Chan, who once again from Bloodsport, but also uh, the uh, the lieutenant in Hard Boiled, which is obviously just an iconic performance and awesome. what I think about every time I see him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And smash cut to 25 years later in 1991, we have Chad leading a stretching class for women at his karate dojo. Just showing off those splits specifically. Like we were just talking about um, uh, Lionheart where he doesn't do splits at all. He sort of dif- wanted to differentiate it by not doing like goofy splits. He felt that that like didn't make the movie serious mm-hmm. here. This movie, his first appearance in the movie, his butts in the center frame. <laughs> yeah. Right there. And he's it's like, look at me. And it's so obvious that they're doing it too. Like with a, with a couple other ones, like they have a butt shot in Lionheart right when he goes, well, of course it's the, the one with the rope, but there's also yeah. one where he's got his like bathing suit or the leotard on before he goes into the pool fight. And they have a big mm-hmm. shot of his butt before he walks into the pool. Um, but it still kind of seems like, you know, you see his character walk into the camera and then out into the pool. Whereas this one is just the entire shot is obviously framed to just be like, look at that ass. And, and they go back to it like four or five times and not to mention the implications of like the, uh, the kind of the, the sexual nature of the scene where it opens with him, like stretching a girl Mm -hmm. And they are obviously helping having her spread her legs better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he's just like, this is how I do the splits so easily. Look at me. And he's like winking at them, essentially. So it's just all that kind of sexual energy is there from the very beginning and, and kind of comedy, too, because it's obvious that they're kind of poking fun at it a little bit. Mm hmm. Yeah, but 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 like he's he's helping her stretch and the the shot is like from her point of view. So he's looking directly into the camera and her eyes and being like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're doing like that. You know, you're, yeah, you're 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 doing that well. And they're all yeah. giggling and like oogling him and his like <laughs> skin tight pastel colored leggings and, and tank top. And, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's funny, too, because like all of the women clearly love it. And he's immediately told by uh, Frank who's like, hey, I got a business thing. You got to go like teach the karate class for a second. He's just like, look at my outfit. Like, you're really going to have me go teach the karate class. And he goes in there and everyone starts like ripping on on his clothes. They were like, what are you here to teach the ballet? Which is another very obviously meta acknowledgement, too, because they're being like, yeah, Jean-Claude is not embarrassed of the fact that he does ballet and he does it well. Right. And he uses his skills to knock that dude out with a single kick. basically. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't mess with the you can't mess with my confidence 
So, so we're being told right off the bat that the character of Chad, and I think this is the reason too, I think it's because he gets to do two different performances. He was okay leaning back into the character that people kind of know Jean-Claude for a little bit. And he yeah, was like, seems what is like, what is mm-hmm. like the silliest, most straight arrow version of my persona? Yes. And that is Chad. He has everything that I do. He has my ballet. He has my karate. The drip. He has, you know, yeah, he has the drip. He's got the, you know, the playing to a female audience kind of aspect. Like they're acknowledging yep. that Chad might as well be Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's as naive, he actually like is. a lot of the early Jean-Claude characters are. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Totally. He's definitely doing the, the puppy dog innocent routine that he sometimes, you know, could be known for. Um, and because of a proposed business, quote unquote, venture with Frank, he decides that he's going to travel to Hong Kong. And I do love that he does it. And you get a little bit of like that travelogue imagery that we talked about that happened in both uh, Bloodsport and Kickboxer, where they're just kind of just taking in Hong Kong and how gorgeous it is and all the locations that they're going to. But you do get to see Chad. His version of these travelogue images is he's got the shortest pink shorts you've ever seen and a golf polo. And, you know, he's he's just he's having a blast and he's smiling. He's going to the Mahjong parlor, you know, and it's it's there where things get a little bit messier because he is mistaken by uh, his brother's girlfriend uh, for being Alex, despite the difference in hair and accent and clothes straight up. This doesn't smell like cigar. Yeah, (laughs) hair's not slicked back. He's not wearing like leather jacket. He's wearing literally pink short shorts (laughs) and also um, the the black silk underwear, which is probably like the line of the like one of the lines of the movie, at least where he's just like, you of all people should know I never wear black silk underwear. (laughs) It's such a great line delivery. <laughs> uh, yeah, he almost drops the D on it too. He's like unaware. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would I would never wear black black silk unaware. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's wonderful. And right off the bat too, you can tell that Jean-Claude was actually inspired by Cronenberg because he, you know, Cronenberg obviously did it in a much more deliberately perverse and provocative way on how those two twin brothers like choose to share women. But right. like that is, you know, you know, like that's immediately you can tell that he was like, no, no, no. The first thing that happens and how these brothers are going to get messed up and how they're actually going to get so dramatically involved with one another is over their relationship to a girl who likes both of them because they look the same. But one of them might have a better personality than the other one. And, you know, Alex gets a throughout the film. He gets increasingly upset about uh, the idea that his uh, his girlfriend might actually prefer Chad. Right. Yeah. Which leads, and we, I won't get to it yet, but which leads to just one of the one of the best, best sequences in the movie. <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah no, and, the and, and there's lots of like good scenes throughout. Character. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's the least secure character he's ever played. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because <laughs> like, he has this like like we said this underdog quality, but there's still a confidence to that. It's like he knows his position, but he is he's he knows that he can elevate from there. And uh, with 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 this one, he just seems like he's th- this character actually seems kind of stuck, which is not usually where he is. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and, and also very, you know, kind of like he, he's playing a character that you feel the real Van Damme would be critical of. And he's yeah. relishing in, in the, the chance to play it because he also gets the good version of himself in there. He kind of so the, the fact that he gets to do one means that he is willing to change the image and harm the image a little bit in some ways that, you know, is like. 
you know, again, he he wasn't someone who really necessarily, you know, wanted to indulge in in being a villain because he did get to play the villains kind of like earlier on. And he found them just kind of, I think, stale as a as an actor to play. They were kind of one note, you know, at the bed. The good guy had to eventually just beat the shit out of them. But in this, right. he does get to play a little bit more of like a complex antagonist to to Chad where uh, but but still also get those cool elements like when he shows up as Alex in this. He's chomping on the biggest cigar you've ever seen. He's got the slicked back hair. He's in he we get introduced to his world where he's basically like a criminal operator and uh, he he smuggles cars and smuggles cigarettes and all kinds of illegal contra into Hong Kong. And they are just like complete opposites in attitude and look like it's it's literally the, the bright the bright versus dark way that they dress the way that Chad is very much like a like a straight moral arrow and Alex is a little bit more, you know, he, he's willing to be, you know, willing to be a criminal operator. And at first, obviously they definitely don't get along, which is, which is to be expected. That's why you would write two characters like this. Um, especially when Frank tries to put them together under a uniting force, which is let's go get Raymond Zhang and let's go get Griffin. Let's go get revenge on these guys who, who killed their parents. And it does lead to some cool little moments of like mistaken identity as well. Like I do like that scene where uh, Zhang picks up Chad in his nice car, uh, thinking that it's Alex and thinking that he's going to try and convince him to join his, you know, sort of smuggling operation. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, Chad who is the straight arrow is like, obviously not like yeah, I would never guy. do that. Whereas Alex, Alex, you know, previously he might've been able to be a little bit, you know, he, he could have been bent a little bit in that direction. I feel like yeah for sure and isn't even the um his girlfriend uh working for zhang uh or is it she's griffith? working for uh, griffith. she's working for yeah. griffith yeah. Griffith, right right Who so she describes is... as the most legitimate businessman she's ever seen <laughs> of course of course yeah uh, so he's already kind of connected in a sense to the 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 bad side of things i guess yes yes and yeah the girlfriend's uh name is danielle and she's played by alana shaw from uh, abel frere's king of new york yeah uh, if anyone remembers. So, you know, um, and, and, and in, in the early goings here, uh, it's so funny, like, because again, part of it is that Danielle, like Alex is concerned that, uh, uh, Danielle likes Chad more. And literally it's because of like, she's like laughing at his penis jokes <laughs> and like saying things like, which he yeah, says a lot of in this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he has quite a few of them. A lot of penis jokes. Uh, and, and and she's also, you know, because of their mission that they're going on to expose Griffith and Zhang, you know, she's doing a little bit of hunting at her biz, at, at her office trying to, you know, find out, you know, see if she can find any evidence for them. And there's one part where she's on the phone and she literally calls up Alex and she's like, give Chad like a big old kiss for me or something yeah. like that. And yeah, you can <laughs> just see like the, the Kill Bill sirens going off in Alex's head a little bit. Yeah, and he responds um, with something like, I'll give him a big kick in the ass or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> And then, he, but then immediately he's like, I, "But I love you." Yeah, I love you. And then hangs up. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny. Like, yeah, it, it is kind of funny to watch um, that character. It it almost feels like she's just playing with him the entire time, and just having him play it so like you know he's supposed to be kind of the the macho version of Van Damme, or at least I mean they're macho, but in the sense of more he's stern and he's like less emotional, less vulnerable. Um, but yet he's pretty much being like kind of cucked in a sense, the entire movie. <laughs> and I just find that, uh, that contrast of things to be very interesting. 
It's definitely the first time and that Jean-Claude has ever been cucked on screen. That situation doesn't make any sense. For himself. He's like, the yes. only person cucking me is me. You understand? That's, and that's, just that's right. That's fantastic. It's the only person who could. It's the only way. Yeah. It's the only who believable. It? Yeah, exactly. He was, I so bet he, it's he, like, he was racking his brain. He was writing this screenplay and he's just like, <laughs> you know what? The only person that could play this guy is me. Who else would believe it? So I'm writing it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't and, and, Jeremy and you Irons. Do, you know, like, like uh, the, the action here is very, very different from any of the previous mm-hmm. Jean-Claude's that we've talked about. Because one, we were talking about like a really gruesome, like brutal, with brutal executions and blood splatter and mm-hmm. destruction on the opening set piece there. But mm-hmm. then you get this little boat action scene in this where... You know, there's this part where they're like being chased by the cops and they're trying to, you know, uh, interrupt Alex's uh, car smuggling that he's doing. It involves them having to do some pretty big stuff, like dump the Mercedes off the boats into the water and then shoot rifles at them until they explode to get away from the cops. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, And there's also kind of a, a scene where feels kind of like a throwback to I believe it's Bloodsport where they uh, they travel along the boats that are on the water and they're jumping from mm-hmm. boat to boat before they escape. Yes, but in this one true. is cool because it turns into more of a kind of a fight sequence. It's not very long, but you know, you got him like swirling around a pole and kicking a guy into the that, water. That like side-scrolling dolly shot where they're yeah. literally leaping that, boat to boat to boat is really nice actually. Yeah, that wide yeah, shot of all great. the boats is, inc- is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just dives into the water and gets away, of course. Um, and yeah. there, There's another way it gets away from the Bloodsport types, which is in uh, uh, Chad's first fight. Uh, he he gets hit in the dick. Oh, yeah. By oh, the bad yeah. Guys. A little yeah. reversal of fortune. <laughs> They've been watching like, his movies. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I've been given enough dick punches. I've got to take one now. <laughs> it's only fair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and, and it is honor. interesting because you do you do get to see him do a little bit more like traditional action hero stuff, like just like kind of like jumping into the air and kicking dudes off the boat. But instead of mm-hmm. like doing a super fancy jump kick, he just kind of like lifts himself up by his hands a little bit, you know, like that kind of stuff like he's not yeah. doing. And and it, obviously it does get a little bit more athletic when it gets to the finale, but it, it they're trying to set up that Alex is more of like your kind of typical slugger a little bit in in right. that regard. And, and you know. There is a little bit more of the, the kicking in the martial arts action going on when he refuses to work for Zhang and he's getting like beaten up by his henchmen and all that kind of stuff because it's kind of set up that Chad is like the more actual kind of martial arts fighter between the two of them, even though by the end, Alex might as well be doing it as well. So they put yeah. it on the poster, one packs a punch, one packs a piece. Right. Yeah. Which is just right. that's the two characters right there. Which yeah, I, I like well, that as yeah, a, Alex as a gets thing. to do the gun fu, man. I like as a comment on the movie, too. I do wish that there was a little bit more. Um, like karate stuff as well mixed with the guns. But I do like that there's that mix and they kind of have it represented through the, through the characters as much as they can. Oh yeah. I mean the first scene when, when they finally agree that like, look, there is bad shit happening here. Like my, my smuggling operation is going down. Zhang is clearly coming after us and you know, we've met each other. We have to do something about this. They set up their own like private military operation in an abandoned hotel on a nearby Island where (laughs) Alex basically proves his criminal bona fides in a moment, uh, where, uh, Alex tells him that he got screwed on, um, or Chad tells him that he got screwed on his arms purchase of like the guns that he bought for them or smuggled in for them. And Alex just fires an entire clip into a pot, breaking Chad's eardrums. And you just get Van Damme being like, looks good to me. 
(laughs) And that's it. He's just like, man, I'm good with the gun, man. And then they, that leads into them doing the attack on the actual drug smuggling operation where Alex gets like a sick neck snap by just like quickly pressing a dude's forehead and back at the same time. It's like, you know, just gone. And another decent little, (laughs) yeah. And then another decent little shootout with Alex straight up doing the gun foo, like dual wielding pistols and doing rolls in slow motion while firing into tables and like drug cooking materials. And like very clearly it's Ledich and Van Damme trying to do a little bit of a knockoff Hong Hong Kong action. But I will say Hong Kong action you know, it's like, yeah, set up a lot of real practical destruction, get a guy holding two guns, getting a real athlete doing a, you know, a flip or a maneuver, shoot it in slow motion. It's a little bit easier for them to pull off than some of the martial arts thing. Like, I thought the action in this was act for Ledich as a director was an improvement over Lionheart. Yeah, it's that that scene of the, of the drug den, like bits of. Uh, of like vials and stuff drug making materials are flying everywhere it's very Mm -hmm. john woo it's like they they beat john woo to making it to the u.s because this is uh what two years before hard target would bring john woo over yes Uh, and and it is like poetry that jean claude was the one who brought him over too Mm -hmm. that was like i will make your first uh american movie (laughs) I, i feel like in a way this is sort of his pitch to john Woo, like please come over and do this scene with me Y- yes. Yeah, but for a whole <laughs> for film. the whole movie, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which he totally I promise I can be good. <laughs> oh my god! And he's probably got the best hairstyle that he's ever had in a uh, Hard Target as well. So, oh yeah, it's so sick. anyway. Yeah, that that's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, but and, and Ledich I think does prove himself a little bit more. Like sh- mm-hmm. the, just the way that he shoots and kind of cuts this stuff, and, and and even just having like like a good little moments within the action i thought like that brief moment where there's like the red laser on chad's forehead and like the and he thinks he's about to get shot and then frank comes in and and snipes the guy or the the really intense like blue directional lighting that's like bathed all over uh, alex as he leaps from the ground onto his feet in slow motion and everything just blowing up as they drive away i mean this film is shot by richard h klein who's the guy who shot uh, body heat the fury uh, for De Palma, oh, nice. uh, various Charles Bronson and Clint Eastwood films, uh, the Richard Gere Breathless remake, and tons of Richard Flesher films, including Soylent Green, The Boston Strangler, Mandingo. Like he's an incredible cinematographer, and I think that this this is probably of the one the Van Dams that we've talked about so far this month. This was my favorite looking one. Oh yeah, yeah, I could I could probably see that. I think I'd agree. Um, he goes. So I mean, hard j- on just having Richard H. Klein shooting Hong Kong, it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And even certain things like some of the simpler stuff that they just do with Van Damme, like there's a, there's a really awesome shot where he's just, he's shooting a gun um, and he's kind of like laying over a body and oh. he's got this like tight black shirt on. And, and for some reason they're not, they're not looking really at the, the, um, the impact shots. They're just watching him shoot the gun with his just like bulging bicep going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I just love how they so lovingly uh, film him, even when he's doing like the grittiest shit. It's, it's awesome. I love that. And, and, and also seeing him get to do a little bit, cause we mentioned it briefly, but that, that scene where they get to do like a bit of the bond thing and they sneak their way into the club in tuxedos and one <laughs> yeah. girl in the club is even like Jeffrey Lewis, man, you kind of look like Sean Connery dude. And then you have Zhang and Griffith, um, who are celebrating, which is, it's funny that they, they go to the club to celebrate how great their illegal drug dealing is going. Thanks to uh, <laughs> DEA policy. Cause once again, woke King Van Damme, he's just like, yeah, man, the Americans they are, they're helping 
they're helping these criminals uh, make all their money that they're making. That's and right. he and then Van Damme shows up. And I guess it's kind of hard to say Van Damme shows up because there's two of them. But both Alex <laughs> and Chad show up to this club and they try uh, to deliver a bomb saying it's the liquor that he smuggled in for him. And they and the way that they just like blow their way out of that place with the bombs awesome. and the spin kicks like it's just it's so sick. And there's one great detail of the scene where uh, Griffith's bodyguard is uh her name is Kara and she is played by a, just a legitimate female bodybuilder. So they they literally they set up multiple henchmen so that each one kind of takes on a takes on a henchman in the film. And one of them is just a dude, a kickboxer who wears cowboy spurs. Yeah. And the other one is the female <laughs> bodybuilder and who is the only woman who has bigger thighs than Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that's literally the only reason they hired her. You can tell. Like, she gets and introduced. And they film her like that, too. They film her the same way yeah. they, they film Van Damme when they're, like, kind of yeah. oogling at his muscles and stuff. It's uh, like they beat Bond to having Xenia on a top as a character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And she and, and and they were straight up like like look she gets introduced like stabbing a guy for Griffith but not before crushing him with her thighs like yes. his head between her thighs she does that several <laughs> times uh, throughout the film like there's I think even her she, her introduction into the final scene like she's been introduced but just when she appears. Uh, is her yes. like hanging from a pole she, and then wrapping her she legs literally like him. flies down from the rafters in order to get her thighs on her on his head and yeah she's and also very have, sexual yeah they have that scene with um danielle where she kind of like like kind of molests her a little bit and, and tries yeah. to get information and they have like the way that the camera is it's almost on the ground looking up at them and she's in these like like super tight leather pants so once again it's accenting the like muscular thighs and all of that and um yeah, it's it's they really film her the kind of the same way as Van Damme, except she's obviously presented as evil and, and bad and all that. Yeah. And, and, and her being caught by Griffith and the bodyguard is what leads to Chad being the one to have to, like, get her uh, get Danielle out of there. Um, so that's where they get, like, the big chase scene around the the Lippo building in Hong Kong, which is a really just cool location. It's a really cool, like, piece of architecture. Mm -hmm. Um and that's when you get like the dude with the cowboy spurs like spin kicking a dude's like throat open. Yeah. Which is like a crazy graphic moment. And you get henchmen just like getting hit by cars and going flying like the, the level of just like stunt ambitious stunt work that they threw into this and violence and action like by by Ledich, It's a it's definitely a, a step up in in that department. And, you know, we talked about the part where they're leaping like boat to boat and. Yeah, it's just it is, really impressive. It is interesting to to see them because this this the film it starts with like what like we were saying it's almost comedy like he's almost playing with his image and all of that. But then as the film goes, it is one of the grittier ones that I've seen, and so I, I find that interesting that they kind of dove deeper into both sides of his personality a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it works. It works really, really well. Like even the I like the lighting in in the factory or steam room um, with like just all the reds and and you know they're like tied to pipes and then they use the actual hot steam to torture Frank and like it's it's just way way grittier than um, some of the other things that we've seen. There's the fight at the end with uh, the henchman with the spurs and it's in pitch black darkness except oh, it's yeah. the best. on our it's main characters all the shadows and, yeah. the spotlight yeah. It's just, here's, uh, it's, I forget which Jean-Claude is fighting. I forget if it's Alex or Chad. Uh, and it just keeps going like, 
oh, he gets hit out of nowhere because this guy is using the darkness to just do hit and run tactics with his spurs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the sound design, because because it strips everything away and all you hear is the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh of his spurs and his boots, like just narrowly missing it, like cutting him open and stuff. It's so sick. Yeah. This movie is made like a group of artists who had something to prove and like were putting everything they had on the table regardless of of anything. So it's like they're shooting as far as they can with this convoluted uh, conspiracy story and they're shooting as far as they can with setting up set pieces that it's like oh well, we have need a pitch black fight and we need this these this steamy uh, industrial uh, a room that's all reds and grays and steam blowing uh, we need to have the heaviest colored lighting in every scene we need to do a John Wu gunfight it just it's, it's people <laughs> yeah. firing as, as hard and all similar as they can to prove that like they're here and like they're announcing themselves as real artists at every level of production yeah, no, and it's it and it's 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 great. Like it totally um, pays pays off for them because like after the bit where he saves uh, Danielle, which eventually at a certain point leads into like a full out like a helicopter pursuit, mm-hmm. which I, I was like, oh my god, like how many like the, his his budget levels were definitely going up at this point. Um, yeah, I think this and, one was fifteen million compared to like the six million that they had last time. So yeah, and you can see which, it. W- and w- which leads into a scene that breaks the Jean-Claude Van Damme rule, which is that uh, they don't they don't show uh, his full on butt in this scene, but they do show N- Danielle getting full naked on screen. And I was kind of like, I was yeah. a little like, oh, I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that choice, Van Damme. But it is broken in an interesting way because you can claim that this was entirely the, the drunken, angry fantasy mm-hmm. on Alex's part, thinking that Chad, who just saved his girlfriend, uh, did, wasn't just doing it because he's kind of like a good guy and a puppy dog. Who's just like, you know, being like, well, the girl's in trouble. We should get her out of there. Um, he instead thinks that he has, uh, motives to, to make a move on Danielle. And when Alex is just like, you know, you just have the slicked back, like very tortured Van Damme, just like barely keeping himself up while he's walking, almost falling over the banister, taking a swig of his whiskey. And, and it goes on for a bit too. <laughs> it, it, it does. And it, it just is straight up like, uh, in a sort of slow-mo neon dream world, Chad and Danielle are just having the steamiest sex anyone has ever, ever had in this incredibly meta moment, as Jamie put it, of Van Damme literally cucking himself and going into hysterics <laughs> about it. Like, literally, like, screaming and crying about God, it. God, like, I love that. <laughs> they snuck, like, a softcore porn fever dream into this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's got, got like, nowhere. purple and yellow dream world lighting. Like, the, it, it seems completely surreal. Um, mm. it, it's not, it, you can tell that, it, you know, I guess that's part of the, the, the separation of it. It's like, you can tell he's, he's imagining it because of the way they yeah. stylize it. it it's, un- um, it's unreal in its stylization. Yeah. It's definitely, ne- it's definitely a sex scene that has never happened in a Van Damme movie. It is definitely Alex's idea of what a Van Damme sex scene is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And I guess, and then that leads into their kind of confrontation where, like I think, chill uh, out man yeah oh chill out mr california oh mr silk underwear <laughs> we know like alex is the bad brother because he says the f word yeah. yes, yes that's true <laughs> i might be which drunk, by the way is I'll the final straw the morning, <laughs> and he'll always be <laughs> yeah. man it's so uh. blunt when he says it too 
I think he says it twice. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. it might be his first line as that character. when he uh, yeah, yeah, well, After he, he mentions the black silk underwear the first time, he also calls uh, Chad the F word in that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like as soon as he's They really want up. you to know that this is the edgy brother. Right, right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> well, and you finally get what you what you came for, Van Dam versus Van Dam. And I will say, obviously, this scene is done with over the shoulder doubles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a it's not a it's bad good. little fight. No, it's not yeah. bad. They even do a cool move where there's one part where uh, he takes them over the banister and they like fall a story mm-hmm. together. Um, and in order to do it, they they have a little bit of a scuffle. And then what? One of uh, what Van Dam does to the stunt guy is like covers his face as they push him so that they can still have kind of a, a frontward uh, image of it. And and um, like you can still see kind of his 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 uh, front of his body and torso while he's falling. It's just it's it's well choreographed and it, it feels pretty mm. fluent. There's moments, of course, that you can tell. But uh, there's, there's a couple really convincing moments that I enjoyed. Yeah. Well, no. And he just gets to it's it's the big fight where he definitely gets to do the stuff, the most stuff with his with his feet and with his kicking, because those guys are just like going at each other when they are, you know, like there the, there's a certain point where, you know, I think the like Chad tries to like windmill kick him like four or five times in a row and keeps missing because he keeps dodging. But like this is definitely the big moment where you get like some of the blood sport fighting in this. And and also the fact that it's shot in the dirty over the shoulders, you get what's always been one of my favorite qualities of watching any Jean-Claude Van Damme movie is that when you shoot a Van Damme fight and he kicks someone, it's so sick when they do it in like the classic dirty over the shoulder where you think that like, you know, a, a normal actor would just punch another actor in that shot. Right. But Van Damme, his legs will just like fly out of the bottom of the frame. And you're like, where did those come from? You know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 like crazy snakes that you're like, where, where, how does you know, does doesn't quite make make sense. But that's just the beauty of Van Damme in a way. And yeah, this is definitely like some of the best like like even Ledich again, I think he kind of improved as like shooting the the fight scenes in this, and the and it's crazy that he did it while also handling the difficulty of Van Dam, you know, having to fight a Van Dam stunt double in every shot reverse shot that he was doing. So yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good little fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do like some of the effects that they do, um, like just with the the green screen effect. I assume that they do where they split the the image so that they're in the same room. There is one that's a little wonky where they're in the same, uh, where they're in the car. car. Yeah. That, that that you can kind of see the outlines a little bit, but for the most part, they're pretty seamless and that was fun to watch them kind of yeah, like the, the one near other. the end where the one's uh, shirtless and they both just kind of smile at each other like that one's pretty good actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a hard effect to pull off let alone like do a whole fight with them together and the fact that like it looks as seamless as it does for most of the movie is just it's it, impressive it's, it, yeah it's it's as good as it could have gone yeah yeah i think so too given the given the budget and uh just given the i imagine the technology that they had at the time like i mm. I don't know if I've seen like what do you guys remember any other examples where they've kind of used this technique? I know it's been been used, of course. Um, well, the but, one that inspired it is obviously the big one, yeah, right? Like Dead Ringers. Like Dead Ringers is probably the best pre- previous example of it being yeah. done. But only because when we when we talked about that, like Cronenberg was doing like walk and talk, like tracking scenes yeah, of them side crazy. by side in the same shot. And like, you're just like, come on, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too talented, <laughs> motherfucker. He had he had to do some like motion controlled rigging to to manage that one for sure. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Irons is in in terms of uh, dramatic 
ability. You know, he's definitely operating at a level Van Damme, not quite at at this point in, <laughs> sure. in, in his in in his career. I don't think that's unfair to say. But but Van Damme, again, you can't just you, you still got to respect it. Like oh, even yeah. if he's playing it up and he's playing into some sort of sillier archetypes of, you know, here's the most good a Van Damme character could be. And here's kind of like the most bad boy a Van Damme character could be. And who's still like, you know, he's still the good guy of the film too which yeah. is funny because Van Damme can't quite go that far but he does get to you know get him shooting people and being a little bit more ruthless with some of the violence and and even their breakup moment doesn't last very long because the next morning after they have their fight over Danielle Zhang straight up storms the island beach with his men resulting in <laughs> Alex and Chad kind of having to go like commando mode and just like dispatch or dispatch various henchmen after henchmen on the island with like punches to the throats elbows to the face kicks to the heads n- various neck snaps and and flipping and slow-mo shootouts and and honestly I gotta say there there's one part in this where uh you know Alex is the Jean-Claude who uses more guns than uh, martial arts and uh you know we said one of the many pleasures of Jean-Claude is that he's very much not just like a beefcake who shoots a gun but he's an incredible athlete he looks pretty good firing a gun in slow motion man like when when he picks up that pistol and you just see his his bicep having the full effect of the gun hitting it and the impact going I was like dude Van Damme yeah he still looks pretty good man (laughs) and like I said earlier in that shot where they they do the the big bicep uh, shot like they're almost not even paying attention to who he's shooting at they're just like look how they fucking aren't. good this guy looks that shooting is, this that yeah. is, for so long and that is an incredible shot i always like draw little pictures of shots i love in movies and that was one of the ones i drew from this movie i'm yeah. like i need to bring this up it is just incredible yeah, the yeah they hold it, so it cool. for he's so like, long he fires like a whole clip in slow motion <laughs> yeah it's awesome and then hmm. it like cuts eventually after they've just been like that was amazing jean-claude you're just so good looking uh, they finally cut to the the impact, and it's only like four bullets into two guys. But they, I just love how they had to just focus on him emptying an entire clip because it's just it's just cinema, baby. Yep. Yeah, so and they awesome. eventually fight their way onto the barge ship that Griffith and Zhang have kidnapped Frank on because this thing keeps changing locations. All like they keep wanting to show yeah. you something new. They they kept wanting to shoot somewhere else, so they go from the, these island fights to these boat fights where Brandon was talking about briefly, like that crazy surreal neon lit boiler room with like the the smoke and the steam everywhere, and the various shootouts taking place within the innards of the ship, and tons of like squib gunfire and everything as well and that obviously insane borderline expressionist fight uh with the uh the dude with the spurs which might which we should mention again just for the brief part which is one of my favorite parts which is that obviously the scene is meant to be these guys can't see each other and like it is pitch black and we are seeing it via these very these these very white spotlights that almost make it look like an 80s music video or something Mm -hmm. And so we only, again, see the flashes of feet in motion and hearing the whooshes as this fight is taking place. But one of my favorite parts of this is the moment where, you know, uh, Van Damme is fighting this henchman and this guy is, you know, just appearing out of nowhere, just going whoosh, whoosh. You know, he can't see where he's coming from. And he just fist punches the wall. And all of a sudden the light bleeds through and all of a sudden he can see. And as soon as he has his eyesight back, he grabs him by his collar and just 
punches him to death in a <laughs> shot where you can see like their muscle shadow figures lit against the wall, mm-hmm. almost like an expressionist horror thing. And he's just pummeling this dude. And he even gets like this big moment where he straight up, like the punching happens over and over again. He takes a big pause and then just boom, one last huge hit. He's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. sick. It's like it's it's like if Bruce Lee had been around to get shot in like 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 a scene that was shot like a German expressionist kind of moment. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really awesome. It's the kind of expressionist like stuff you don't expect from a movie like this at all. It doesn't like going into this. There, there's no reason for it. There's yeah. literally no plot reason for this <laughs> and, scene to happen. It just happens because it, it looks like, sick. <laughs> that's why it feels like people going in with like something to prove. Like you, you don't do yeah. this unless what you're trying to do is prove that you can do something like this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not just trying to set up this the simple fights or whatever, mm-hmm. like and and just get the footage. It does it does yeah. feel like all of these set pieces have something kind of unique about them, and they're mm-hmm. they're thought out. There's there and there's always these accented moments that are very memorable. Like we were talking about the red dot uh, early on in the drug mm-hmm. compound, and um, you know the the uh, kind of the back and forth that they do when they're fighting each other. And like, there's just, there's a bunch of stuff in here that, that feels like it accents what could be a very simple action scene. So. Yeah. Well, and think about how many more set pieces are still even left after that moment, because like, like, like Griffith and Zhang both have their individual henchmen that they have to fight because they've kidnapped Frank and, and Danielle. So they, they each have a hostage. They each have a henchman. Like Van Damme was like, let's literally, let's double everything. Let's, let's stick with the title. Let's, we double it all. Everyone gets both Van Dams get to fight two different big bad guys mm. and so so because it's it's alex i think is the guy who fights the spurs guy mm. and i think who has to fight um the does he also have to fight the yeah because because he chad the is the one who fights bolo. Let chad fight a woman no chad can't fight a woman no 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 chad chad gets to fight bolo who's yeah. back from blood sport and well, once like, again I, I love the opening just jacked the beyond fight. belief yeah like uh, alex sorry chad is shirtless and so bolo looks at him and just takes off his shirt and then flexes yes, and one of the shows best moments oh, yeah he looks like the incredible fucking hulk <laughs> yes. yeah you got the biggest chest i've ever seen in my life yeah it's insane <laughs> He's also doing a maneuver that is insane to me, which is trying to kill him by hurling a flammable barrel at him just over and over again, he's, which he's I don't. Donkey Kong. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I just, I've never, I don't think I've seen that before. <laughs> Definitely not. He's throwing it at him and then he'll pick it up and like crush him with it. Um, he specialized in barrel throwing. <laughs> I mean, that's how you get yeah. that big, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah that has to be it. He's literally just showing off how strong he is at that point. He's just like Van Dam. You do want to get out of the way of these barrels, man. Um, that barrel chest. It, well, I mean, it, yeah, it, it leads to that spark where that part where like Chad Van Dam he leaps over and under that barrel, uh, both like each, and he does a slow mo jump. Uh, jump kick uh, at Bolo that then kicks him back into uh, the electrical equipment and electrocutes him um, right. to death. And but it, but it's 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 crazy that like just seeing like Bolo do something that they set up is like insanely strong, and just seeing Van Dam just casually like leap over him like they're both in beast mode at this point. Yes, absolutely. 
And and then, of course, Alex, meanwhile, is the one who's fighting the bodyguard, Kara, who introduces herself, as Jamie mentioned, by dropping down from the like the ceiling and locking his head with her thighs. And like, that's clearly the one reason that she was put into this movie. And also, by the way, because she can't stop herself uh, grabbing a handful of his cock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have like a full on. It's like a good full 10 seconds of a of a like a. A struggle of whether or not she can he can get her to stop grabbing his dick. It's it's very funny. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which is after Chad makes the remark about how big his dick is, and also right. there's a, a part two where like a guard tries to assault Danielle for a second time. There's a weird amount of yeah, with like, like a steam sex- rod or something. I I don't it's, know. Like it's it's yeah. it's a weird amount of like sexual yeah. assault that kind of takes like just casual uh in yeah. in this finale though it's not as tastelessly deployed as like kickboxer i guess at least it like doesn't oh, actually sure, yeah. happen i think it gets stopped before it happens yes but yeah i guess crazy not the, not the one with the um muscular guard the the woman uh what's her what's her name in the movie i can't remember the the one that plays the the bodybuilder woman uh kara 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 because when she she kind of does like a a like she kind of molests or like sexually assaults uh, Danielle in that room or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it does. But feel she doesn't like discriminate. She also sexually assaults uh, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, she sexually assaults yeah. pretty much everybody that she comes in contact in this movie. Um, and I will say too, like the the one with um, the guard. This is, is reminding is me of stopped, Disclosure, yeah. uh, Jamie. If you remember, oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah it's like what if, what, women if, what, can, what if a woman had power? Yeah, a woman could also can assault also men in the office. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah, definitely. Dem- Demi Moore and uh, Michael Douglas taught me that one. It does feel like they're kind of doing that with Kara, even aside from the sexual stuff. Like it does feel like when she's introduced, they're kind of like, look what we got. We got the female version of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that's kind of how they present her a little bit, which is she got the biggest legs in I like the game. It. Yeah, yeah. But it's crazy. So so like, again, so there's there's a, a big fight with Bolo. There's a big fight with Kara. And this is all happening again in the innards of the ship. And you're like, OK, so at the point at this point, we've definitely had like two different climaxes. Yeah. And there's still more. Mm-hmm. You finally have, you know, after they take out the big goons and they've each saved their their hostage, uh, the two twins each have to kill one of the two corrupt capitalists who killed their parents, of course. That's well, right. you'd think um, it would just be like, oh, they'll crumble because they're the leaders. But no, each of them is willing to fight to the death. Yeah, yeah they have and a huge doing chase like crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like climbing cranes and and uh, <laughs> yeah. like it's it's, it's kind of wild actually what they're the British to guy's do. version of fighting is he gets on top of a uh, he has the crane that like holds a giant shipping container. He's like, I'm gonna crush you with the shipping container. It's like in Total Recall where the guy's like driving the drill. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The the fact that Griffith is like driving the forklift in order to crush Chad, and it's turned into this like very claustrophobically shot thing where he's literally mm. going to push him off the edge, and then cut to Zhang whipping out a cane sword to fight Alex <laughs> on top of a crane and yeah. getting his hand like crushed inside the gears and the machinery, and it's just Love a you know it's cane it's, sword. Gotta say, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's pretty like in like like it's big, like it's a mm. much bigger finale than than you would expect, and you do get the lovely moment where you know uh, Griffith is uh, 
talking talking to him about you know aren't you gonna go like help your brother or stop that guy he's like don't worry or or, uh uh it's uh alex says it he's like don't worry about griffith my brother is handling him Mm -hmm. you know like they're they're finally working together they trust each other to kind of get the job done and you get two sick villain over-the-top villain dummy deaths yeah two of them one (laughs) Yeah, you get a sick dummy who's crushed under a shipping container and you do see a split second of it just like his body being crushed by it as Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He he empties his entire clip into the water. Yeah, with yes. like with without a target and then it turns out that the guy he was shooting at was actually not only behind him but on the controls of the crane. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how he gets there. But, I know. Uh, in the, I love the, that he does. On the wiki, it just says that he sneaks around into the forklift, which I don't think sure. they ever show it on the no. on screen. So it's very funny yeah. to watch him appear. Also, I love that he does his kind of, it's not as over the top as you'd see in like Bloodsport when he punches somebody or he's like getting pumped up or whatever. But he does a little bit of his Bruce Lee scream when he lets go of the container and pulls the lever. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's very funny because he's not in a fight. He's just sitting in a crane, <laughs> but he still has to like, and then, like, yeah, the, 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 the physical yeah, reaction. He's yeah. Up from hype yeah, exactly. He's got to hype himself up. And I, I thought that that detail was fantastic. Also, yeah, I, and then I'm, Zang I'm a little gets claustrophobic. Taken out. So that part, that just one shot where he throws Danielle into he the throws her in. Yeah, oh, that, and then it shuts on her. I was like, fuck that. And it's only yeah. like two seconds, but I'm just claustrophobic. So that actually I'd rather just me. dive into the water. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Alex is fighting Zhang up top, up top, and Zhang is trying to like you know dissuade him into you know joining him again. And he's like, "I'll give you half of everything." And he's like, "What about my father?" Yeah. And you get this sick dummy toss from hundreds of feet into the air. Zhang's body just crashes into this pile of wooden crates, and you would think he would like like bounce off it or something, but no, he just rips right through. <laughs> that was a heavy dummy, whatever it was. <laughs> and yeah, they, they eliminated the two people that, that, that killed their father. They, they hug it out because they gotta the two, the two mm-hmm. Van Dams. You get to watch them hug it out on screen. And then Danielle goes over and, and, and hugs Alex and you get one of the craziest endings to any Van Dam <laughs> movie, which is just Chad giving him the okay sign and just being like, Everything is a okay. We just brutally murdered like <laughs> yeah. four to five people <laughs> and it's so, on screen. <laughs> it's so wild too because it does that like classic. I guess this is '90s technically, but it's almost that that '80s freeze frame that they do. Um, yeah, and they do the freeze frame, but they have the '90s hip hop credit song. Yes, yeah, so that plays over the uh, the Blu-ray menu, by the way. So when you oh, put in the Blu-ray, that plays while you're on the main menu, and a bunch of scenes in the movie go in the background. <laughs> nice. So Incredible. funny. It's just amazing too that it's so upbeat. Like I understand, you know, for them it's like the the problem is over, of course, but we've just there's, there's a little been bit of so catharsis there. And it's it's hilarious that it ends still with the an okay sign freeze frame into an upbeat song. Big, big smile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's good stuff. I have a question about the end of this movie and the story, which maybe I should know, but I don't. Um so part of the motivation is the idea that the tunnel that their parents built is their like oh yeah they right? get money yeah they get so, money like, from it or something is that i don't th- is that at all t- i don't think that's how civil engineering works right like you don't get <laughs> no. money because you build a tunnel you just get paid up front for it yeah 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 it's a very confusing <laughs> plot point it's, it's not like royalties that, to the tunnel i don't think yeah, yeah like i don't think hong kong and china pay you money because you built a tunnel 
They pay you up front, <laughs> and then that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah, feel I don't, like. I, I, as, as far as I know, there's no royalties yeah. for it that they yeah. seem to think that they are. That's, that's the reason the parents get killed is for like the money that the tunnel's going to generate, and by killing <laughs> the people who stole us all from their family. Without having documents that prove that they owe that they owe the tunnel because their parents built it, that they're gonna inherit the tunnel. I just, it's, <laughs> no, the, the the actual criminal conspiracy is is kind of I just wasn't like even they, they, they to it a lot of the they, time. They didn't honestly. think it through that much. They were just yeah. kind of like, here's a reason that uh, two Van Dams both have to get revenge against double the amount yeah. of henchmen and bad guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a step more convoluted than it needs to be to give motivation to yes. the characters. But For I sure. really love it. I love how convoluted it is as as like a uh, an artifact of this team of creatives trying their hand at a more complicated story and it shows as like an early effort in someone trying to write a uh more complex story than they've written before. Yeah, Van Damme's not quite like a uh, like a like a novelist or like a noir (laughs) film writer you can you can imagine I don't think but it's but man he was like I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go I'm gonna give like three four different kinds of movies a go I'm gonna do some Hong Kong action Mm. I'm gonna do some some uh, brotherly tragedy you know I'm gonna get it all yeah and it is cool to have like to think about him kind of conceptualizing these Mm -hmm. action sequences himself because I'm imagining him and um, him and Sheldon were really focused on like what would be the coolest thing how can we bring it to life how what can, can we write our do? way to set pieces yeah, yeah. how, do we yeah. Get to how a can we make you look the best yeah how do we get to a <laughs> forklift death exactly um, what if bolo picked up a barrel <laughs> <laughs> what can bolo over lift over what do we have on set what do we got <laughs> what if a woman had massive thighs you know you could just <laughs> yeah. you could he, you could like you could just hear van damme like giggling just imagining these things <laughs> oh yeah absolutely dude what what if i got to do like a like like a the bond tuxedo you know like i got <laughs> what to, if i, I cut to myself <laughs> yeah what if I was in a John Woo movie for like five yeah. minutes? You know, literally <laughs> yeah. he was like, here's here's like a an audition for 10 different types of action. Films. <laughs> yeah, for real. It does feel like a lot of uh, yeah, this is his ideas real, we've seen like, in a sense. Agents, yes. But as a movie. Yeah it's, yeah. it's a bunch of things just kind of put together. Stuff that you may have seen in the 80s and 90s. But mm. it's got that, you know, it's got the Van Damme charm and it's fun to watch him do both things because you just so rarely get to of- do that. It's got the feeling of like a, a someone's dream project. Like you, you go to like a someone who's in film school and is writing their first script, and it's like got all of their ideas that yeah. they've ever had all in one because they've got to get them all out of their head at yes. once. Like that's totally. the that has the energy of someone who's who's fresh faced and 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 looking to get like they 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 haven't uh, gotten enough of their ideas out into the world yet that uh, yeah they're like more focused and they're like it's almost. It's it, with this, it works and it's good, but it's almost too eager. Like they're just yeah. like, I gotta show you. I have to show you. It may not be completely finished yet, yeah. but I just have to show the world. Um, kind of like a childlike glee to it, I think. Yeah, totally. <coughs> uh, here's a production yeah. fact. Did you guys uh, read about like who was almost the other brother in this? No, because um, oh, before I he decided like I did, that he I, could only I cut himself. On it. So JCVD was pitching it as he wanted to play both roles. That was why he was interested in the project. He saw it as a chance to flex his acting skills. But his agent also represented Dolph. And his agent was pitching the studio on JCVD and Dolph because if he got both of them signed to the same movie, he would get paid twice. 
for the signing bonuses. Well, that that would be the real double impact of yeah. the whole thing. Is yep. if you know that that guy was thinking money mindset yeah. all the way. He, he he was pulling his own little Griffith move in the back. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. lost. Yeah, as much and as much as I, I mean, I I really which like to that be we fair, to it speak. would literally happen the next year with yeah. Universal Soldier. Yes, true. Like we Very didn't true. lose out on them teaming up. Yeah, no. It would have been interesting to see these like two brothers though, because uh, like I, I don't know how tall uh, Van Dam is, but he seems like just on the shorter side of martial artist. And with uh, um, uh, <coughs> Dolph, he's like what six foot four or some shit like that. Like yeah, he's Van Dam's abs- like average height; would, he's like five ten or something. Yeah, so it, it would have been kind of cool to see like a lean fighter brother versus the big power brother. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of, you know, like we said, we get that a little bit in Universal Soldier. So we got it eventually. And I do like watching two Van Dams here. Yeah, yeah. But I think if we're uh, pivoting towards reductive rating round here on a uh, double impact, uh, this one also is going to get the, it's going to hang out at like the the, the solid to, to high three territory for me uh, a little bit just as a first time watch. But I, I, you know, I am impressed with where Van Damme and Ledich kind of went. Like I, I do think that with Lionheart, they work a little bit more effective at the actual dramatics that they were trying to pull off. And I think that that's a good reel for showing what Van Damme can do in that department. But this is a better reel in the department of the diversity of action styles that Van Damme could do and the range of, you know, uh, types of characters that he could play. Um, and yeah, and, and just the fact that, yet again, he's writing a, a movie for himself and he's just like, well, this is sort of like my Dead Ringers and my Alexander Dumas film. But it in, it includes in like insane things like Bolo trying to kill him by throwing flammable barrels at him and, you know, uh, having really and having that huge expressionist fight with just cowboy spurs and having the insane cucking fantasy stuff like it's just John claude definitely relishes the opportunity he gets to play two very different sides of himself and also to style himself differently i do love that you know alex is the cigar chomping leather clad you know cool guy and bad boy who says naughty words and you know <laughs> like that that aspect to him where you know chad is you know much more clean cut and much much brighter and the fact that we're introduced to him in almost a cartoonishly meta degree of of jean claude you know uh is in his his <laughs> Yeah, in his ballet tights and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. It's it's wonderful. Um, and and yeah, again, though, it I think some people, I think, try to argue that it, it's a little strange to have two Van Dams and have so little like martial arts in comparison to some of the previous movies that he's done. Sure. I will say let it. Sh- He's pretty good with the shootouts, man. I yeah. think the action here is stronger than it is in in, mm-hmm. in Lionheart. I think the Hong Kong audition stuff that they're doing looks nicer. I even think like the chase stuff and the boat hopping is really nice, and the slow mo and the squibs and how mm-hmm. you know the gruesome chase into executions of the opening versus you know all of the various uh, final confrontations at the end. Like I thought this was a big step up for um, Ledich in terms of action, and I imagine it in part from working with a, such a veteran cinematographer as who did some of the most stylish film, like, like the dude shot body heat. We, we covered yeah. that not that long ago on the show. It's just, it's like a beautiful movie and just drenching this thing in all of the lights and colors and slow-mo it, you know, it, it might not make complete sense with the story that they're telling, but it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
it leads to some, yeah, as, as Brandon put it, like just how many different situations can we gleefully write ourselves into that Van Damme would look cool in and have a fun time doing. And, you know, some of that, even if it doesn't make sense, some of that I think bleeds into you as an audience member. It's definitely fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's a solid three, maybe even a strong three. I just I think really what would have elevated it is the um, uh, including a little bit more martial arts to mix in with all the gun stuff. But the, like you said, the gun stuff is is actually quite good. And I was surprised at that. Um, there's a lot of impact, a lot of squibs. There's environments just being torn apart by bullets like 20 you know. straight slow mo seconds of him just shooting a gun. Yeah. And you just being like, wow, God, he looks good <laughs> doing that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's 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 just it is a lot of fun and it's so fun to watch them kind of interact and him play kind of both like the full side one side of each spectrum of what he's known to do, I guess, more specifically uh, with um, is Chad's the 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 nice one or whatever right yeah so -hmm. like more specifically he's playing it with chad um and kind of diving into something he wanted to do i think with alex um but it is really interesting to watch them interact and i the the meta stuff is fantastic like the first part where it kind of establishes like the the big butt shot that now he's become like kind of famous for but then you have him uh his butt is playing with his too like (laughs) it is kind of (laughs) unreal and then you kind of have him playing with his ego a little bit by having him cuck himself and i think that that is fantastic um so there's a lot of really cool elements and once again i think ledich and van dam just kind of understand each other and what they they want out of their projects so there's something very uh uh, cohesive about everything even if the plotting itself is kind of strange and maybe not doesn't make total sense here and there you don't really care because it's not it's not what you're here and they're still kind of very messily making the transition from like van damme before could get b movie budgets but now they're starting to get bigger budgets but they're made by guys who like ledich had previously not directed a movie before and van damme hadn't quite led a movie of these types before like you can just feel two guys kind of out of their comfort zone but in and like maybe not the best at it but putting the work in and yeah. you know clearly experimenting in a fun way so yeah yeah totally so i uh yeah i thought i thought that this was a lot of fun um this is my second time watching it so i had seen it before but with a lot of van dams i went through like a I don't know, it was a, a few weeks of just watching whatever was on streaming for Van Dam, And eventually a little bit of it got uh, kind of mushed together. And my brain was like, which one was that and which one wasn't? So um, <laughs> it was nice to revisit this. And I, I Yes, really we had a lot of commenters it. reach out to say Jamie was not describing the plot of Lionheart yes. last week. He was describing the plot of Nowhere to Run. Right, yeah, which is <laughs> which, also when you. he comes in and, and saves like a family. So I was just, that was my confusion. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so solid three, uh, maybe even a strong three. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, for you, Brandon. And, and for me, it's it's another four. These, these are both four nice. screens. These are, I Hell think, yeah. These, like, Double Impact, I think, is my favorite of the two, although they're pretty close. They're both in my top ten uh, Van Damme picture. Um, I love what this is reaching for. I love the mm. energy of seeing these two artists, Sheldon Ledich and Jean-Claude Van Damme, coming up together and trying to prove themselves in a variety of different ways. This has, like, such a great energy to it. I love it as a, you know, if Lionheart is the Jean-Claude Van Damme, like dipping his toes into dramatic acting, this is him dipping his toes into villain acting, which he won't do very much until later in his career. Uh, if audience haven't seen Universal Soldier Dave Reckoning, he really leads into it there. That's an incredible movie. Yes, uh, watch is. that. <laughs> Just fucking awesome. Uh, it's the best. He also Doesn't plays like a stop. villain in 
Um, Enemies Closer 2013. It's a diehard ripoff. He plays the uh, Hans Gruber type role. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. This is, so like this, it's interesting to see like his first dipping his toes into what he thinks of villain role of his, what he can do as a villain, which now that Alex isn't exactly a villain, but he's like a bad guy. Like what is, what is yeah. the Jean-Claude's idea of a bad guy? And it turns out it's like turning up the edgometer to the top. Like he's writing shadow, the hedgehog, but a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, like, that's just really interesting. I love seeing him reach that far. It's a type of character he wouldn't play again in the, in the nineties. Like he wouldn't touch more bad boys until like the late two thousands. Um, so it's like, uh, it's like an interesting part of the history. If you're going to watch every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, like I did, uh, it's an, it's a really interesting uh, bit in the middle, uh, early part of his, of his career. Uh, I think the shootouts are incredible. I think like, or just really great. Like it's really fun to see that little taste of what, uh, you would get more of in a, a better movie, hard target. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, just, it's a lot of fun. I love it. It's my third time watching it. I love it every time I watch it. Uh, I think it's my third time in three years watching it. Actually, I think I watch it once a year at this point. Nice. Goddamn. Uh, no, it's just, I know. I love it a lot. I, I love seeing these two different versions. Him, Jeffrey Lewis is great, and I think again that idea that Sheldon Lettich has, which is you put a veteran actor next to Jean Claude Van Damme, it makes him a better actor himself. Just shines through in both of these pictures. Yeah. Uh, yeah totally. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just two young uh, artists really reaching for the stars, and that's exciting to see. I dig yep. it. Hell yeah, hell yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that that is uh, going to wrap it up uh, for this week. That was um, I don't know why I'm already blanking on this Lionheart <laughs> and Double uh, Impact. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Brandon, for uh, joining us and, and lending us your your uh, enthusiasm about yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, but this is usually the part of the show where if you've uh, got anything to plug while you're here, we usually have you do that. What's going on in Dadcore world? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at ThatOneGuy64, everyone. Um, in terms of Dadcore Cinema Club, we just actually, the day we're recording this, put out our latest episode on The Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins. Great Helen film. Mirren, uh, young Pierce Brosnan, his first screen performance. He's shirtless. He's like a gay honeypot IRA agent. Uh, fantastic. Our next episode. When does this go up? Is this a. Uh, uh, this uh, this is going to go up this weekend. Yeah. OK. So a couple days after this airs, we'll have our next episode up uh, beginning of next week. Uh, we're doing Enter the Dragon. Which I'm very excited nice. about. So we're going to stick yeah. with a little bit of a martial arts theme. So come check us out, Dadcore Cinema Club at Dadcore Cinema on Twitter. Dadcorecinema.club is the URL you can use to look at the Anchor FM page. That's what I got. Can definitely definitely recommend doing that. For our listeners, we are going to be back uh, continuing January. Um, and, uh, don't worry. We are not going to be technically skipping universal soldier, hard target (laughs) or street fighter because we've already done those episodes. Go back. If you're like, if if you're like, Hey, the next episodes they're about to announce aren't on any of those films. That's because they've already been covered. We have full episodes on all of them. Uh, and most of them are great except for street fighter. We did street fighter really early on though. That might've been the first Van Damme that we did. And it was probably why it took us so long to come back around to him. And then we loved universal soldier and, and hard target. We had a blast yeah. with um, oh yeah 
with both of those. But uh, because we've already covered all of those, next chronologically, we are going to be doing an episode on Peter Hyams and Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme's collaborations. We're going to be talking about Time Cop, which is exactly what it sounds like. Jean-Claude Van Damme literally policing time and people trying to break it in order to commit crimes. And we're going to be uh, pairing that with Sudden Death from 1995, which is just one of my personal favorite um Van Damme films, especially the sort of like dramatic side that he gets to do. And it is it is quite literally, as everyone will tell you, it is just die hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of uh, terrorists uh, taking over a corporate uh, office building, they are uh, hijacking uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and obviously, as a result, Jean-Claude also gets to play a Canadian. And also you have in the Alan Rickman role, you've got Powers Booth. And, you know, how are you going to go wrong with that? He's just yeah. the best. It's, it's a great movie. I'm excited for that episode. Yeah, no, we're going to have have a blast. Because I, I think that's one of the only ones Jamie hasn't seen that we're talking about this month, right? Because there was only a couple that you hadn't seen. And that was one. Uh, and then in two weeks time, so that's going to be over on the Patreon feed exclusively. And then in two weeks time, uh, we are going to, uh, be back with a special guest and we are going to be returning to the realm of Jean-Claude works with Hong Kong Ochoers. We're going to be talking about maximum risk from 1996 direct by Ringo lamb. And we're going to be pairing it with knockoff Ooh. 1998 directed by Choi Hark, because we've already covered, uh, we've already covered double team. Um, yes. as well, which was, uh, his other collaboration with Choi Hark. So, and with maximum risk and knockoff as I've been saving these ones. So I haven't seen them. I haven't seen either of them and I'm stoked because I love Ringo lambs, uh, city on fire and I've heard yeah. contact is amazing. So I'm excited for maximum risk. And then with, with Choi Hark, this is the one I've been saving for a long time because I think it is one of the bigger Troy Harks I, I haven't seen yet because I've seen more of, uh, you know, I've seen Once Upon a Time in China. We've covered Green Snake on the show. Um, but uh, the idea of Jean-Claude as a sales representative for like a knockoff jeans company who gets involved in some sort of CIA conspiracy, it sounds like the best movie ever made, in my opinion. So Yeah, when I, when <laughs> I, I watched wait. it, I, I gave it that like strong three, but I remember thinking I really need to rewatch this because I think there might be something more to it. Um, so I'm, I'm yeah. stoked to revisit it. it. It's got a lot of awesome style in its action. I do remember that, so... Hell yeah. Well, that's what you can expect over uh, for the rest of January. Um, But until then, keep us easy. Keep us easy.